right, here we go. Welcome to the drunk tank. Take a shot and much thanks for you coming out tonight. Have a seat and come in. Yeah, yeah. Now turn the lights down low. Drinks are in the back, we're about to start the show Okay, landed and killed and the landed are free Coming together to spread all the peace There's more to the story than you'll ever see Hear up both sides before you just agree Some of it's funny and some of it's deep Open your mind and I can't guarantee That we will leave you on the edge of your seats Now over the docks and the man for CC, okay Hey, what's up everybody? Welcome to the Drunk Tank I am Docs Ryan and as you see I'm all alone, at least for the moment. Unfortunately, uh, Chris, who normally joins me, my brother from Scotland, had a, a personal mental health issue he had to deal with. So we're letting him take the day off and do his thing. I'm going to hold it down with my guest who I'm going to bring in here shortly in a minute. Um, just figured I'd kind of give you guys a heads up. Today we are talking to one of my favorite people in the entire world. She's a really good friend of mine, known her for like 22 years, and it should be an interesting conversation uh, she's a self-published author, first novel, she's a mom, she's a, a gamer, so I'm looking forward to the conversation, so like I said, just wanted to come on before I bring her on, kind of give you a disclaimer, let you know why Chris isn't with me, and that uh, we're just, we're holding down the floor for him so he can handle his business. We love you, brother, do what you gotta do, we got you covered. Right now, for those of you that are hanging out with us, we're gonna roll the intro video, and then I'm gonna bring on my guest slash co-host for the next three hours, so... uh I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm kind of nervous because she's like amazing and I'm like a schmuck. So here we go. That stupid, rotted old barn in Backwoods, Maine starts out as just another place to feed my best friend's insatiable ghost hunting habit. Until I'm inexplicably lost for the first time in emotions that aren't mine. An animalistic fear that never really leaves me. On some level that's smart, I should be afraid. Especially when people's moods start swinging at my whim. But you know, it's also kind of fun, if you don't count the heart attacks, fatal job promotions, and choco tacos with criminally wasted potential left in my wake. Then there's the delicious bit of trouble from down the way. He's emotionally silent, but breaks the sound barrier on my other five senses. I can't affect what I can't feel, so he's safe, right? Am I? The pressure of keeping everyone's emotions at bay is cracking my jury-rigged mental wall into a Cheshire grin. The question is, whose grin is it? Mine? Yours? Or something curiously sinister? As reality twists into a labyrinthian spiral, each step I take brings a little more tragedy and a little less me. I'll have to double back on my fading footprints and find what passes for the truth before my sixth sense becomes my only sense. All right, all right. Hey, everybody, please welcome to the show, Nikki DeCaster and a good friend of mine. What's up, Nikki? You're muted, Nikki. You got to unmute. Take your time. You're good. Work through it. There you go. I can hear you now. Okay. I can I hear no you now. I have no idea how that happened. There's Sorry a, about that. No worries. There's hey. a button on here, but I didn't. It's all right. I think I pressed it. You're good, you're good, you're good. All right, Hello, was, yes. Chris made an amazing yeah, intro video. Yeah, you're good. I got you. Chris made that amazing intro video. I will send you a copy of it uh, through uh, Google Drive so you can download it and do whatever you need to do. Yes, um, thank you, Chris. I I hope that your 
feeling better today. Um, <laughs> and I appreciate the effort. Thank you. So I know I know you wouldn't have heard the video if you weren't watching the stream, Nikki, but basically we had a really good friend of ours, a streamer friend of the, uh, the show. Her name is Habitactor. She basically did the voiceover narration of the back of your book over the video that Chris made. That's what I kind of figured. It was probably yep. something like that. Yep, yep, yep. so sweet. Um, so, yeah. So, Habba <laughs> crushed it. We love Habba. Habba's great. Uh, shout out to her. Thank you, Habba. But, um... Welcome to the show. Greetings to everybody in chat. Um, we will address chat uh, as we go through. Uh, just keep it polite and follow the chat rules, and we'll answer questions as we go along. Hey, but, I thought this was the drunk tank. Keep it polite? Well, <laughs> chat's got to keep it polite. That's the, di different for us. Different they got to keep it polite. Yeah, exactly. Because we're the show. They're, they're the audience, and we like to address them. But as long as they keep it shit clean, we'll keep them, we'll keep them around. But anyway, uh, I need to introduce you. Uh, everybody, this is Nikki DeCaster, everybody, Nikki DeCaster, first time self-published author, gamer, mom, wife, super chick, amazing. So, let's talk about how you been, girl, this is the opening round, how you been, I haven't talked to you in a while. Well, busy, obviously, I launched yeah. my book on December 1st, yeah. and that's been a whole lot of sort of little tiny fires that you gotta put out and start, and, you know, so... Yeah. I'm kind of looking forward to being like after this interview, I get to kind of take a breath. Right. You know, but it's been an amazing journey, um, yeah. which we'll get into, but great week. It's, it's gone very well. Lots of support. So I'm very yeah. happy. So, but besides like the craziness of the book, like how, how was your week in general? Just, was it all just book stuff or you just like, yeah. have you had a moment within the chaos to just sort of be like, holy shit, I, I put a book out? Like, <clears throat> um, a little bit, like, right. Been little moments. This, this podcast will probably be my first, um, you know, sort of super processing it, I guess. Right. Just um, let it settle in on you. Yeah, because it's going to be a bit more casual. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, hundred percent. I did an interview yesterday. That not that it was super formal either. It was with my friend David, but right. um, just a, a different mentality here. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's, it's a little <laughs> different. But yeah, we we have we have history, so it's it's a little more like yeah. hey, what's up. So yeah, that's what I'm getting at. But yeah, but no, my my week my week was kind of crazy. Like I've been making videos and doing TikTok stuff, doing promo to get you on, and uh, just everything at the farm here was crazy, and I was trying to arrange a bunch of stuff for off-stream stuff, so my week has been really good, but it's been like like this, like roller coaster, like real busy, and then dead, so yeah, it's been, it's been good though, like my dog is being a butthead today, so I had to kick her out the workshop, Normally she like sleeps like next to me during the show, but she's like being a butthead today. She was so excited she could just feel your. Oh, excitement. dude, the vibe, the the vibe today. I got up at like my alarm went off, and I got up and I'm like, all right, I can't be late today. Like other days, I'm like, eh, you know, I'm running behind, you know. But normally we have like our streamer bros on, like they're like, oh, don't worry about it if you're late, but like. This I don't know. There's something about this energy There's in there. There's a girl in the room. That's right. There's maybe it girl? is. <laughs> maybe it's, there's a pretty girl gonna be on the show. I gotta be on my A game. But yeah, no. Um. Uh, so yeah, it's it's been crazy. Like we were we we're just doing our thing. 
and I know I know you're doing your thing at home and whatnot. But um, what do you? I before I even get into this part, I got to do the other legal disclaimer. For those of you who are joining us live on Twitch or on the VOD or on audio, this is the Drunk Tank. We are having a few beverages, so you need to make sure you are of legal drinking age in whatever country or city or state or whatever you live in so that you are not being irresponsible. Also, do not text and drive. Do not drink and drive. Now that the lawyers are satisfied, what are you drinking in that cool-ass clear glass of yours? <laughs> gotcha. Got her. <laughs> Actually, this... This glass is awesome. Yeah. I'm going to try to show cool. it without spilling it all over my computer. <laughs> oh, nice. That's a cool, like, design. Yeah, that's my logo for my publishing company. Oh, the and Phoenix? It says, it says The Spiral, which is the name of my novel. Nice, nice. That's one of my very early quotes, which says, masterful word version of Fantasia. <laughs> Interesting. So I got this. I got this for me when I was first putting my book out for beta readers. Mm-hmm. This was my very first beta readers. Um, right. Hopes on it. So he <laughs> made me a nice little glass to celebrate, which I thought was very sweet. That's because he's a good henchman. Um, this is not alcoholic, though. Uh, yeah, neither am I. I didn't have a chance to run to the store. Um, However, what else I have? Ooh, we got some alcohol. Um, this is some mead, some blackberry mead that nice. my husband Brian made. Nice. <laughs> so I was like, "That's how I'm gonna roll under the drunk tank." Right. That's how you can roll. That's how you roll. I got some. I got some Vikings blood in my Kraken cup. That's right. Pink. Here's Rick. There it is. I'm sorry, Doc. Either way, you you know you knew me pre you knew me pre Twitch. That's some good shit, huh? Nick, (laughs) wake me up. Mm, Apparently. (laughs) We talking about the meat or something else? (laughs) Lord, I got the papers. I got the papers. All right. So, yeah, I mean, that's been my thing, man. So let's get into it. I'm I'm real curious because you talked about um, little fires that you had to put out or start. You want to you want to kind of elaborate on that? Oh, uh, one of the things that happened is I'm, so Amazon will lock you out of the, lock you out of your book after pre-orders for a little period before it goes live. Uh-huh. Not sure what their system is. Something around three days. Mm-hmm. Mine ended up being a little shorter. So... I put the book out there. It's getting ARC reviews, which are advanced reader copies. So those right. are the first people who read the the book that's it's finished state, and they tell you what they um. Well, they do a review. They don't tell me necessarily. They might right. send me a message, but right. um, they they're the first reviews that you see out on anywhere. The mm-hmm. reviews are left, and so um, a friend of mine who read it, she was like, it's great but you're just so you know your little emoticons that you put in there are not showing up in my kindle version okay i I think i got i think mine in the pdf showed up but i'm not sure 
Yeah, the PDF will be fine. The print yeah. version will be fine. The the Ooh, shit, Kindle, any Nook, any like Kobo, anything like that. It's a and I discovered this. You know, it's a, a crapshoot if it'll show up or not. Okay. So I'm like, well, I didn't know that, and my my formatting software did not tell me this. <laughs> you know. So I'm like trying to troubleshoot a solution, and she she told me. This is no fault of her own, but mm. an hour before I got locked out of Amazon. Oh no! So it was like it was like the clock was ticking on like like fifty two minutes oh, or something. And so I'm like running, trying to get a new version uploaded that right. you know, isn't going to have the little boxes show up mm. instead of the emoticon because I I have there's three pages that have some emoticons yeah. in the entire story. So it's right. not like a huge, huge deal, but there's two instances where I think it matters to the story mm-hmm. that you be able yeah. to see them. Right. And so I had to stop gap the solution, and I did. I, I made a thing. I go to upload it, and it was like three, two, one, locked out. No! No! <laughs> no, yes. So I was like, Oof. oh, my God, okay. Again, not the end of the world. It's still like a right. good version. It's really not that big a deal. Some people will be able to see it. Some won't. Right. But then they let me in early. Like, I don't know what their system was, but it was basically December 1st somewhere. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so all of a sudden I was allowed in and it was like hours before it was going to be December 1st here. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like... In Spain time either, so it was mm. just like in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. They decided that <laughs> they were like, Bezos was like, and it's fine. <laughs> so I quick ran in there. I put the the new version in, mm. and it was fine. Like the people, there was pre orders, but nobody that had done a pre order even got theirs. Downloaded it didn't it, hit yeah, their yeah. time zone until after I did it. Right. So it was a very little fire. All things considered, there are definitely worse things that happen. Yeah. But um, that's just one example. Yeah. So. That sounds like it. It's like, especially when like you got a timed puzzle like that, it's like, I got to get it down. I got to get it down. <laughs> no, the no. clock is ticking and you're like, please go faster. I can totally, I can totally <laughs> see it. I can totally see it. So uh, what... um. For those of you, or for those of you that are, are listening, uh, Nikki and I have been friends for what twenty two years now, something, like, something that. like that. So there's there's a there's a there's a there's a familiarity that her and I have, and, and maybe we'll get into a couple of the drunk stories that we've had together, or whatever. But um, she's she's a mom and she's a wife and and everything. So how is how has release week been at home like for you like as as like a mom and a wife like outside of like the professional like what's release week been like just in at home for you cuz uh, i would imagine like if i was doing a release shit would be crazy here like everybody would be like are you done yet do, do, what else do you got to do like uh, i i couldn't even imagine trying to release a novel worldwide and do all my regular shit like i'm curious to know how that how the week's been at home well, Brian took the week off. Oh. So he took a vacation this week. <laughs> and we didn't necessarily, like, both get together and coordinate that. Right. But it just, 
he happened like he had vacation he had to take before the end of the year. Right. And he took it this week and I was like, perfect. <sighs> Good hinge. So Good hinge. Yeah. <laughs> my husband is so supportive yeah. of absolutely everything I have ever done. Um That's the brainwashing and the psychotropic drugs you put in his food, right? Yeah. Exactly. We won't tell him though. Oh, and my daughter, she's seven, mm-hmm. and she, so she's old enough. She knows. She knows right. that this is Mama's week. Mom's got up. Mom's got busted out. Nice, that, you know. But I also like I take time with her, and we have snuggles right before going on the show. I'm sitting snuggling, like absorbing her love. You know, give me all that juju. Oh, I, I it is hard though to strike a balance between, you know. Nope. work especially as an entrepreneur and nope. you know, your family yeah but, yeah it's one of those things family I find... does have to have to come first whenever possible right yeah. sometimes there's those things that you just have to do like when that that instance that i said where i had to quick change the emoticons i was like aisling who's my daughter's name mm-hmm. it's like i gotta go upstairs and deal with some stuff like she's not two right anymore you know what i mean so like she's seven she can handle herself yeah she can make macaroni and cheese in the microwave if she needs to you know she'll be okay if i'm upstairs messing with you know Mm -hmm. fiddly stuff is what i call it it's all the little fiddly behind the scenes stuff that you don't know unless you're in it you know yeah yeah like like for me i always tell the kids i have live time and then they're like well you're not live but I still have stuff I have to do. I still have to edit a video. I have to edit the audio. I have to do social media stuff. So, and they're they're all like teenagers. So I, they go from this phase of we don't want to do anything with you to pay attention to me. Yeah, and me, it's, like, me. it's like pick one, just pick one and stay that way. Or like just, <laughs> no, well they're basically like like toddlers. Yeah, it's the second t- teenagers, teenagers are the second toddler stage, hundred percent. I'm so glad that I found that before she gets into that stage because I think it'll help me be more understanding. Yeah, me? No. When it comes to... <laughs> My main <laughs> character is a teenager too, so that's, at least for right now. Right. It's going to be a long series and freezing mm-hmm. up. It's, it's so. fine. It's, it's just a thing. So you mentioned that Amy, the main character, is a teenager. You're clearly not a teenager. What was it like writing, uh, as as somebody who has has to write a novel? You didn't write adult characters. You wrote a teenager, uh, the most teenagers as your characters, but they're not. They don't. How can I put this without being a a, a spoiler or whatever? When I read the book, because you sent me a copy for review and whatnot, you wrote them as teenagers, but there's there's a there there are times where there's a maturity level that speaks beyond teenager, but then there are times where like oh that's a teenager. So how how did you find that, or or what was the what was the process of writing a teenager that was at times a little more beyond their years, but then also like very teenager? Like that must have been tricky as hell. Well, part of it is because she's writing this story. Mm-hmm. Some years after the okay. fact. So the person, Amy, that's writing it to you and telling you the story 
is not the teenager within the story. Right. That makes sense. Oh, um, totally. So it's so it's written in first person and she's she'll break the fourth wall sometimes. Yep. You know. And she's very aware that this is something that she's letting you know. It's more intimate like that. I don't do it all the time, or she doesn't do it all the time. Right. Every now and again, they'll just be a, like a reminder that you know you're, you're sort of sitting around the fire with her. You found this you know, notebook or whatever form it's in, or in this case, book. Right. Yeah, that cover's dope, by the way. I love doing that. <laughs> you're Here like, are my brain drippings. <laughs> right. Thank you. Yeah, that cover was dope when you when you unveiled it. I was like, "Holy crap, that's sick!" But um, yeah, so in her dialogue within there, I I try to keep in mind that she's a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, and then her friend Kayla is smart, so right having hers and um Daniel, who's her love interest, is also very smart. I'm not a fan so, of like, Daniel, by the way. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Dude, I, all right. I made this comparison, right? For um, for those of you that are in chat, where we're kind of bouncing around a little bit, and if you're new to the show, that's what we do. But um, Nikki released a book. It's a horror novel coming of age story of her main character, Amy. How do you pronounce the last name? Doreen. Doreen. Okay. So Amy is a Amy is a teenager in the book, but as Nikki said, that she's retelling it as an older character. And Amy meets this, her love interest, Daniel, who she feels comfortable with because Amy at some point develops the, develops the ability to like feel and manipulate emotions. And Daniel is like a blank. I don't like Daniel. Daniel's toxic. So I made this, I made this comparison to Amanda. Amanda and I were discussing it when we were talking about our reviews. Amy and Daniel remind me of, like, a proto version of, like, Harley and the Joker relationship. Very, I saw, I saw that in their relationship, and I'm like, I don't like them. I don't like them. I don't like them. I don't like them. Not at all. Well, Joker and Harley are my favorite characters. Yes, and that's, that's why, that's why I think I was able to pick up on it. There's definitely some bleed over. So I think if you like that dynamic. Mm -hmm. You'll probably really dig this story. It's I mean, the first of nine, I should say. So it's Ooh. the first book in a series of nine. All right. I have planned. Nine more gut-wrenching tales of horror. <laughs> yeah, and it's horror. It's yeah. also a tragedy, right? Yeah, all the way. I, I was, you know, I've been talking with people about how this genre, the genre of this defies definition. Yeah, it really does. It like to me when I read it. I got a lot more thriller and suspense because a lot of the stuff there's like there's there's moments of horror like there's moments of action in it but for me reading it from my perspective it was I don't want to say a masterclass because uh, oh you can say that that's fine <laughs> fine it was a ma <laughs> it was a masterclass in building suspense and tension because a lot of the book you're like I had this like tightness I was like mm. As I'm reading it, I'm like, I know something's coming. Happen. Right. And it just, it builds and builds. And then you turn a corner and then 
what the fuck happens? And then it's back. Like, it just kind of peters out. Like, it's in your face. It's visceral. It's it, it's impactful. And then there's a lull again. And you're like, all right, I got I to gotta go. I got to go. I got to go retch for a minute. And I'll be back. Yeah. And then you come back and you're like, oh, okay, it's a nice scene again. You're like, are we not going to talk about the shit that just happened like five, ten pages ago? And then it builds again. It's like this. It's like this really well-timed roller coaster of like this epic build to this really lull where you're like, all right, we're all right. And then again, it's just these, these, um, just these hills of like horror and, and violence or action. And then it's again, back to the build. And I think that's one thing in the book that I personally really enjoyed because I always had that tightness when I was reading it. I'm like, okay, when is she going to do some fucked up shit again? It's so good. And horror isn't my preferred genre. Like, I'll read it if something catches my eye. But I don't go to it. And when I read your book, I kept thinking about it afterwards. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. how, do, how did you... How did... Okay, how did we go from that fucked up situation to this one? And I'm, I'm trying to dance around spoilers because I don't know if people have read it. But for those of you that are going to read it and you should read it and the link to get the book is in the chat so go to that link um i kept thinking all right how do how how do we not address what happened like you address some things but then it goes back to like good horror doesn't address the horror you know what i mean like shit happens but they're not like they're not like oh did you see what happened it kind of goes and builds again if i make any sense well I think, are you talking more about the end? Yeah. Just the whole thing. Like in general, okay. like in general, the general vibe for me is like I said, that roller coaster, like there's a tension build and then there's that drop of like violence or horror or whatever, or in, in one scene sex. Cause there's oh girl. Ooh, load of vapors. But yeah, you, you have a really well-timed suspense and then burst and then back to the build. Yeah, that's what I like in in a story to be able to breathe. Right. Like if it's just constant, bam, 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 bam. There's no ability to process it. Right. So that's I think maybe what you're you're getting at a little bit. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. not, Yeah, I think so. I'm not very. (laughs) I will say that Amy is a bit of uh, unreliable narrator. Yeah. Yeah. That vibe. I I could see that. Hundred percent. It's it's the kind of story that you have to read between the lines, and because uh, she'll see something, interpret it one way, and then she'll be like, "But wait a second, <laughs> run that back." <laughs> you know, how'd you get there? And you can, I, I, I strove to make you be able to understand how she gets right. to her conclusion, mm-hmm. but life is gray. You know, it's not it's not black and white. Yeah, definitely. And so hopefully you can also see there's multiple viewpoints in anything that goes down or any anything that happens in the entire book, right? Mm. Oh, I know that's so vague. It's so hard to, to promote this without spoilers. Right? <laughs> yeah, but I mean I think I think if if we if we dip too much in the spoilers, it it will one people will lose incentive to read it, or it might encourage some people. But 
I think with your book, a, a spoiler thing is really difficult because a lot of the a lot of the really what the fuck scenes would lose their impact if you kind of knew what was going on beforehand or if you read a spoiler. So I I I know it's hard, and I know Chad's probably like, "What exactly are you talking about?" But I think it's important to like keep it as spoiler free as possible because you have you do have that masterful build, and a lot of those and it's what, a mystery, right? right? Yeah, mystery and that, too. that's that's yeah, that's exactly what I was trying mystery, to get. And you don't want you don't want that to be spoiled. So like I can say in the beginning, you know, it starts out with Amy and her best friend Kayla mm-hmm. going ghost hunting in an abandoned barn. Yep. And um, she's suddenly struck with the ability to feel emotions. Um, and so it's it's her dealing with that in the beginning. And, you know, is this real? Am I crazy? What's going on? Did something actually happen there? Because they've been mm-hmm. ghost hunting for a long time and nothing really has ever happened. Come a bit, yeah. And then, uh, so it goes through... Her, she gets overwhelmed by emotions, um, ends up blacking out and uh, going to the hospital at one point. And so you start to get other characters involved, like her mother. Mm-hmm. And, you know, their point of view is to, you know, is she on drugs? Like, what's going on with this? Yeah, her mom. Her mom's a piece of work. Her mother is, yes. Her mom's definitely a piece of work. And I'm like, oof, yeah. But her her mother also there's there's a complicated relationship there, right? right? So she's more domineering and controlling of Amy's life, but also supportive, right? No, she's there at times and not in others, right? So Mm -hmm. she's human. Yeah, and I I think I think that's a really I think that's a really uh, accurate point is the. The characters in your book are very human. Like, you read a lot of books where, like, characters are doing shit and they just seem to defy human norms, right? Depending on the genre or whatever. But your characters seem very, very human, very grounded, very, like, gray, very, very complicated and complex and very kind of bleh, like all humans are. And Mm -hmm. in a a mystery and horror genre, having having characters that are believable as humans and and uh and having them be as complicated and as gray as your characters are i think is is a strength of the book because you get drawn in by the characters and like i was i was talking to you before stream a little bit i was like kayla kayla is like to a lot of people that i've, I've talked to kayla's really the heart of the book in some ways like she's very much a a a, a touchstone for people and I'm not going to say anything, but you know what you did. I'm looking at you. <laughs> well, but, um, it is horror. Yeah, it is horror. But, I mean, I think... There are horrifying things that happen to these poor, poor characters. What's that say about you as a person? Let's put on the Freud hat. You like doing horrible things to people. What does that say about you? Well, I don't know. I blame Scooby-Doo. What? Why are you going <laughs> to put that on Shaggy in the gang? Why do you blame Scooby-Doo? Come on now, elaborate. Well, Why do you blame Scooby Doo? What do you think back? It's sort of a lot of people's first exposure to scary things, right? right? And 100%. I, I love Scooby Doo. Although I will say, growing up, did not like to be scared. I don't like, like to be scared now. No, I I didn't like scary movies, horror. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like Scooby Doo, so there must have been some of that there. 
under but, the surface. But I also I don't like being afraid either. Right. <laughs> so I think so I wouldn't see, seek it out, but sort of followed me my whole life mm-hmm. in, a, in a weird way. So like, for example, I had classes, a, a class in school that was called Creature Connection that I right. just happened to get into that was all about horror. <laughs> all we did like, shit! was study horror. And I wasn't like a huge horror fan. Although at that point I had read Interview with a Vampire. Oh, and Rice Love. Here we go. Rice is a big influence. So you mentioned sex before, right? Right. And because there's, there's, it's in the book. Mm. Yeah, there's, there's a couple of very steamy scenes, and I don't skimp on details. But it's not, it's not an erotica book either. No, it's not. Definitely not. No, not with the, not with the one scene, girl. Uh uh. (laughs) You wrong for that one. The, the, the knife (laughs) play scene. the one at the end. Yeah, that one. I, I read that and I was like, I need to call your mama. <laughs> um, well, again, I'll remind people it's horror, right? And so right. something, one, one of the overarching themes of this book and this series and something that when I created Amy, I wanted to explore. Right. Is what is love? Okay. What does love look like in its different forms? And so you'll see that with Kayla, you'll see that with Daniel, you'll see that with her mother. You know, what all, what lengths do we go to for love? Mm-hmm. You no, know, and what grip does it have over us? What does it mm. mean? And with Amy, with her ability to feel emotions as deeply as she does, there's a supernatural element right. to this that I was able to amp up and play with and dive into the darkness of. So I'm taking something, you know, sex that is usually, you know, a beautiful, wonderful thing. I mean, it can get down dirty and kinky too. Well, I mean, <laughs> but like, go ahead. And I, and I explore all the different facets of it. You know, right. there's, there's a light side. So, and then there's, so there there are darker places with it. Right. But it's all in service of the story. Yeah, that so I, I would agree that you you accomplished that for sure. Like so Amy and Daniel. Daniel's the, the love interest. We don't like Daniel. Um I'm Team Kayla. You're Team Kayla. Our <laughs> um like sex is central to their dynamic. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. It's a big part of Oh, they work together. Right. <laughs> and so there are points where it really matters. So, like, this is not the kind of book where you can skim the sex scenes. Right. It, they actually matter to the story. Yeah, because part things, certain things come out during those scenes and, and things develop. So, you like, you can't, yeah. like you said, you can't skim it. Because if you did, later on in the story, you'd be like, wait, when? how did that, what, huh? How did that, wait. So, yeah, I agree. Can't skim them. There is. There is. Um, that's different, too, I think. You don't see that a whole lot, where the where the actual act matters. It's, you know, I don't, I, I spend as much time as I need to. I, I don't feel like there's gratuitous sex in this. Right. It's, is it needed for the scene? 
doesn't get across the point, then we go there. If not, I fade. There's several times I fade to black. Right. Yeah. As I said, they they have a very hot and heavy dynamic, and that's the characters. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I think you handled that really well in the way you did that. Because, like you said, it's not gratuitous, but it is graphic, and there's a difference. That distinction often gets lost in shows and in, in in novels. Because let's let's face it, sex sells. You 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 throw a, a body on there, and they start getting hot and heavy. People are gonna put their eyes on it, right? So a lot of times, um, people use sex cheaply to to keep your interest. And with your with the way you did the book, it's it's graphic and important, but not gratuitous. Like you said, there are several times where you fade to black because that's the relationship. But in the but in the times where it is necessary and in service of the story, it is very graphic. It is well written, and I don't ever feel like it. It went to like you said. It's not erotica. It's erotic, and it, yeah, it's I well wrote it. written. No, it's it's again. You're getting down into Amy's head, right? No, and so that was actually somewhat of a challenge to be able to write some of these scenes. Why? You know, and and keep my wits about me while she's losing hers. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And that goes for the scene and and many others that that get to be the crescendo, shall mm-hmm. we say? So, yeah, the the sex angle. I don't know. We live in America, at least, in a very prudish society in a lot of ways. In a lot of very ways, yeah. Polarized view of sex. Mm-hmm. And one thing I'm actually grateful for is somehow or another, I, I just, I view it as another thing in life. Like, yes, it's a thing. So I'll have you know, the graphic depiction, depictions of the sex, but I also have graphic depictions of other things. <laughs> know what I mean? So like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I do. There's some graphically gory things mm-hmm. in this book, you know. I go into and some graphically fun things. Yes, like there's times very when much you so. go down, and that has to be said too. That's a, there's a lot of fun in this story. It's not just all horror. No, in fact, yeah. I think you, you need the lights. Well, that that that's. that's oh, I referenced that earlier. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I referenced that earlier because you do have this, you have this this build, and not only is the build stress, tension filled, it also has that those fun moments too. Because you do need those those moments of levity that you're discussing. Because if you didn't have those moments, like It'd be too the, dark. Yeah, you'd and the one the one scene that of, you'd lose your sense of what? Purpose of, maybe? Uh, purpose in life. You just <laughs> get so depressed. Existential dread. <laughs> um, you'd lose your connection to the characters. Yeah. Like if so much and I've had this happen in, in other stories that I've I've read. Where too much bad stuff happens to them, it's all so dark, and you disconnect. Right. As a reader, you're like, it's harder to get in because you're like, oh, another bad thing, and I can't emotionally connect to this character as well. But if you've seen them in their lightest moments, and that's where the sex is also important. Right. So you've seen how intimate these two characters get. So later, when one or the other is dangling off a cliff, right? You care. You understand why the characters care. The stakes. You, 
the stakes are are higher. Right. So for me, like I, I mentioned Anne Rice earlier, mm-hmm. and she in many ways paved the road for me. She is the queen of horror. Yeah, I wouldn't argue that. And she has sex in her books. Lots and it's integral it. to the plot. Oh, yeah. You know, especially the Witching Hour series. Yeah, I read a little bit of that. Not much, but yeah, I know what you're talking it gets, about. It gets salacious. Like, some of her stuff <laughs> is super salacious. But, like, it's necessary to understand the connection between all of these characters and her mm-hmm. instance, too. And that doesn't know downplay the horror elements in fact i think it upgrades it and in the horror genre in general there's like a life death dynamic that Mm. happens right and and you'll see this in even slasher films right where the the teenagers are running off to have sex and then jason goes and kills them right (laughs) you know so it's the same sort of thing here and you know i i hope that that won't dissuade people from from reading it and really like getting down into the moments with Amy because I don't... there is purpose to it. You know, you can skim it too, and it, I guess won't be the end of the world. But you'll miss something. You'll be a bit more lost. Yes. Right. Yeah. I I don't think the I don't think and, and we're, we're talking about love in all its phases, and, and sex is definitely one of those phases of love. I don't think the way that you have done, like the the sex scenes that are integral to the story and move the story forward, would be a turnoff for anybody. I think with them, it's it's an opportunity to look at it in a different way and and kind of like, um, uh, maybe look at. I don't want to say like a self examination, but maybe like. Okay, why why is this person into that, or or why 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 is it this way, or why is it that way? It's it's maybe a, a jumping off point to maybe a conversation with like your partner. You know what I mean? In some yeah. ways, I mean in horror in general. One of the reasons I love the genre is because it's so open to anything can happen, right? Right. And so if you're under the horror umbrella, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's constant gore. And there is some gore in this, but it's not its not a focus, right? And it's more of a psychological horror mm. than anything. Right. Uh, Chris took some time out to message me. He says, it's a book where you need to read the entire thing to come full circle. There are moments in the beginning where you feel Amy's perceptions slash choices are wild, but later on you have them. You have the "oh, I get it" moment, and I think that's I think that's a a really good way to sort of sum up, uh, like you were saying, Amy is an unreliable narrator, kind of. Yeah, I would say that I've I've had several people at this point tell me that they, um rereading it or have reread it and when they reread it it's a, an, another book because of that unreliable narration yeah it, re- it reads different a second time for sure for sure and just because there's things that are revealed at the end that really change so much the perspective because as i said earlier you know somebody will say something and you'll be like it did they just say that? And Amy, how is Amy taking it? Mm-hmm. And what? 
almost like a always look on the bright side of life. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there, there's an element of how we deal with trauma, mm-hmm. right? And the bad things that happen and, and horror will take you through that. That's one of the beautiful things about it. I think so you can see how other people deal with these horrible things and how they are able to get through it for better or worse. Amy's journey in a lot of ways is just beginning at the end of this book. Yeah, for for those of you that haven't read the book yet, it is a coming-of-age story for Amy. It is sort of like the quote-unquote origin story. So, yeah, it is it is her taking her first steps into the darkness and exploring that within herself and around her. And you mentioned that you were playing with the concept of love in all, in all, its, in all its phases. And with Amy being able to feel emotions and sort of play with that, uh, more, what what surprised you in playing with the concept of like love or under like exploring it? Was there any like moments of like, oh shit, did I just kind of you know what I mean? Um, or was there any? If there was, surprises that you found from writing the book and and like the the topic of love in general. Just just an ability to see the best in people that we love. Okay. I don't know that it surprised me necessarily, but it's definitely interesting to play with. Right. Words is what I would say. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to get into too many spoilers. Right. Because like, love is a love. Is all a... of her relationships. So this isn't just like of the sexual nature either. Like right. her relationship with her best friend. Mm-hmm. There's she there's also like a rose colored glasses when it comes to her and some of their boundaries. Um they have or like the mother and their dynamic, like it's complicated and she's sort of oppressive, but you feel the love there too. There right. there's a scene um I mean Amy, this is shouldn't be too much of a spoiler, but Amy can manipulate emotions. She discovers right. this over earlier. the course. And she kind of, you know, you're a teenager. You can manipulate emotions. You can imagine you could have some fun. Mm-hmm. And so there's the fun and games portion of this book, too. I got powers. Just, Let's go. <laughs> yeah. What can I do? And then, you know, the, the consequences, because it still is horror, right? Mm-hmm. So every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Hundred percent. She she may get her way in some cases, but there's backlash that happens. And so you get to see that with her mother at one point, and she dives into her mother's emotions and gets to feel the complex, all the different ones, and giving, I guess, uh, almost a personification to these emotions as she's going through them. Was a lot of fun. Like, I'm like, well, okay, I have to let the reader know what this emotion feels like. Right. You know. So I'll use like alligators snapping up for fear. Mm. Right. And so you can visualize and understand that what an alligator suddenly coming up is like that that induces that fear. Um, but then she's digging through and finds love too and what that looks like in this you know glowing 
beautiful little orb. And so you see that there is love there from Mother 2. Right. So. And, and yeah, how how it's buried and what, what it's buried under. And so you, hopefully you're, you have more empathy for some of these characters at the time we get to the end, too. That makes sense. I think you do. I mean, even even though I'm not like a huge fan of Daniel, I think Daniel's important because he he offers uh, so many different things for Amy because Amy is thrust into this new reality and having Daniel sort of as like a grounding stone, even though he he is who he is. I think you can see why Daniel's important. You just can't get rid of Daniel because you know. It's complicated. Yeah, right? there, it it yeah. it serves it serves to um, make more intimate and more complex the nature of of all these relationships and all the threads that are coming together. So exploring complication and exploring trauma, I think, is is central because not everything can be surface. Like you have surface emotions, and then you have real like you got the stuff that you keep under your mm-hmm. armor, right? So being able yeah. to explore that with with the concept of love in general is is really cool, um, and it's not something like when you t- when you hear the word empath, you're like, oh, you can feel people's emotions, and a lot of people don't think much deeper than that. But with Amy, you had the ability to really think deeper in that. What does that mean to like feel emotions and be able to manipulate and feel it? What is emotion? And and and, and in the book. You definitely, you definitely do play with that, and I think that's one of the strengths of it. Is I don't, I have difficulty with emotions as, as an adult. Like you, we've talked on the podcast a lot, where I don't feel my emotions so much as I react to them. So as I was reading the book, and there was a lot of emotional stuff, I was like, I don't want to say struggling because there's a lot of complex emotional stuff, but a lot of it for me was like unfamiliar because I don't, I don't address emotional stuff. Well, I don't handle it well. So when you're, when you're manipulating an emotion or, or you're exploring an emotion and finding the deeper meaning in it, in the book, to me, it was like, how was that? How does that work with me? Like, I don't, I don't want to say I, re- I related to the book in ways, but parts of the the story kind of had me look at myself and be like, okay, why are my emotions so different than like this person's or, or, or how, what if someone was delving into my emotional thing? Like what if Amy was in the room with me? What would she be picking up off of me? Oh. Like, I, had, I had that moment like, hmm, looking over at the, over at the, over, I was at my desk reading it cause I had it on PDF and I looked over and I looked at my dog and I was like, you could sense emotions like Amy. What would you be picking up off of right now? <laughs> and I think the way you the way you deal with the emotional mechanic of the book is really well handled. And like you said, with the mom, you do find that there is love under it. She does come off as oppressive and domineering and like uh like overprotective. She's definitely as hell. the villain for a chunk of this book. Right. But At least then from Amy's point of view. Then there's right? that then there's that moment where Amy can get into it and see what's under it and you your whole sort of perspective 
changes. Like you said, there is love there. There is, there is good mother, like maternal squishiness there where you don't see it uh, uh, until Amy really dips into it. And I think that was, I think that was really well done. I think that was as masterful and the way you do that, because like you said, to Amy, her mom is the villain early on. And that, that sort of perspective shift through the emotional mechanic is, is so well done. And I, I wouldn't, I would, I wouldn't even know where to begin with that because I don't deal with emotions well. So kudos on well, that one. That's an interesting perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and that heartens me actually. Like that, it's helping you process emotions a little bit. Yeah, so. I definitely need a. I definitely need work on it because, like, if if a book can make me look at it like that, because I'm a dad. For those of you that are new, there's I know there's several new people enjoying the show. I've got five kids through a process of collection. <laughs> um, I've got to catch them all. <laughs> you do. <laughs> and so accurate. I know, right? And um, a lot of them have like special needs or they have emotional issues. And me being the dad I am, it, it's hard for me to relate on emotional stuff because I grew up the oldest of my siblings. I was the stand-in dad for a lot of times, so I didn't have a chance to feel emotions when I had to like get my brother and sister to school and help them with their homework and make sure the house is clean. Yeah, they're sort of hitting the ground running. Yeah. And now, yeah. And and now as a dad with kids who have emotional issues and other mental health traumas, it's hard for me. Like when my kid is upset, my reaction is, why are you upset? One, two, how can I fix it? Three, I did the thing that you needed me to do. Why are you still upset? Sometimes we just need a hug. I yeah, I'm learning that now. But like, like you said, in parts of the book, well, especially with male, the mom, it's also a male thing. Yeah, well, right? I, I think I'm there. There is a desire bear. to fix things that men often have. Women can too, but I think on on the whole. Like, at least I've I've seen it said many times and experienced it myself that hey you've got a problem how do I fix it right and if I can't fix it I don't know what else to do stop if I can't fix it I'm gonna break it <laughs> yeah exactly you know. and 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 like I said because you Amy is such a um, an empath and her whole thing is emotions for me it was it was tricky to read because I don't. I don't deal with them. So I had to, at, at points in the time, as I read the book, I had to stop and think about how would I deal with an emotion like that? Or how, how from my brain, how how is Amy's ability to process this emotion or deal with this emotion different? And like I said, to relate as, as a dad, there's a lot of times where my kids are upset and my first reaction is, who hurt you? So I can go hurt them. Two, well, yeah. I, I, I did the thing that you told me I needed to do. Now you should be fixed. So reading the book, I kind of had, like I said, a couple moments where I had to like take a step and really think about my emotional mindset or my emotional standpoint. Because there were some points where I was like, 
why why does she and again i'm trying to avoid spoilers but especially around the daniel dynamic of like daniel's sort of not like my like i wouldn't hang out with daniel like he's just he's too much of a i just i i get bad juice from him he smells bad to me right i wouldn't hang with daniel and there are times where he would say something that would come across kind of like d-baggish to me from my male persona but i was like how 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 can she dig you how like <laughs> and like i i see that in like when i when i talk to my kids like with their emotions like i'm like you should not be like i don't understand how you feel this way you're 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 fed you're clothed i love you you're taken care of why are you not well i will say that so her her dynamic with daniel is it starts off very fun mm-hmm. yeah and i would say like he comes in kind of opens up her world in a way right for sure and so you can see the allure mm-hmm. no and then there are some things that are questionable Oh, sketchy sauce as fuck. Sauce as hell. (laughs) That started to come up. And it's like, why don't you see them? And her Mm -hmm. best friend does. Yeah, she does. It becomes a a point of contention between the two of them. (laughs) And and so that's an interesting dynamic, too, I think. Like, Mm -hmm. got these solid best friends, and then this guy comes in and, and it's not so simple because he does very much help her. Right. Yeah. At the same time. So he'll do stuff that are, that's kind of you know, douchebaggish. Yeah. He said, and then he'll turn around and do something that really kind of saves her ass. You yeah. Know, oh or yeah. Brings her up out of something or so. Yeah. I mean, he's a character who's going to be very polarizing and already is like there are yeah people who he is love him people who hate him people who love to hate him i'm i'm sort of <laughs> like eh. you know <laughs> she could do better <laughs> um hopefully you you understand how she gets there mm-hmm. and then and like do. again it's hard to not have spoilers mm-hmm. but No, it it ex- explores all the different facets of a relationship, shall we say? Yeah, from, I would agree with that. From the lighter fun side initially on through when things get more serious, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, and I think you handle that really well, by the way. Like you, you do, you do handle because a lot of a lot of the book, as I read it, there is a lot of juggling that you have to do. You have to juggle the horror with the lightness. You have to juggle the love with the sex, with the emotions. And I, I think I think it is it is very well done, and, and you do that. But I want to kind of, like, step away from the book a little bit because we've been talking for about an hour about it. And I want to talk about, the about like, the process of writing a little more because I think when people hear you're, you're a novelist or you're an author, they're like, oh, I want to write a book or I can write a book. 
and then they dip into it and they, they don't really understand the process of it. So could you like kind of break down a little bit of like when you started in writing to like what you thought it was, what the process became and sort of what writing is now for you, if you know what I mean? Because I think yeah. that will help a lot of people because this took a while. Like this yeah. book took a while. Like you don't just wake up and one day I'm going to, I'm going to write a book like this. This took a while. This took a minute. So could, if, if we could talk about like maybe the process of writing a little bit and kind of break into that. I think it might be helpful to, to go into my background a little sure. bit. Um, yeah, let's you do know, that. We've known each other for 22 years, as you said, and we met in a gaming group. Yes, we did. We're going to talk group. about gaming too. We're going to talk about gaming later. And so I've always, I've always been steeped in story. Like right. even back when I was a kid, I would write little comics. Like I would draw and have little stories that would happen and mm-hmm. staple them together and be like, ah, <laughs> you know, so that inkling has always been there. Um, then I found the outlet of role playing where you get to, right. it's similar to writing in that you have to get into the skin of your character and explore them. And one of the things that I love about role playing is that you get to switch it up. You have different games right. you know, periodically. And so every character that I ever came at with role playing, um, I always like to explore a different dynamic with them. With mm-hmm. Amy, it was what is love. I was like, I'm gonna make this empath. We're gonna, you know, it's one of the things I wanted wanted to see. And so, I've been storytelling for like 22 years. Yep. So I I run I've run games and been in them. And when you're the game master, the person running the game, you have to be everyone. So you have to mm-hmm. quickly get into many different skins. And see the world from their perspective. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. every character in this book also, like, they have lives outside of being in Amy's presence. Right. I'm always like, okay, what are they going and doing now? What have they been doing since she last saw them? And how is it going to color their response to whatever? Right. So the, the role playing, like being able to hone that over time so very helpful and part of role playing too is you'll often write a backstory yep your character and you'll give it to whoever's running the game and then they can do with it what they see fit like you know they can weave it in or or leave it Mm, (laughs) whatever take it or leave it yeah so i have always been sort of writing those and usually it wouldn't be more than like a page maybe two you know i mean we're not talking a whole lot (laughs) <laughs> you can get more than that, but over time, like we we had forums, mm. you know that we would have more of a spillover from the games that we played, and maybe have a a journal where the character sums up what happened. And so I started honing my writing skills that way. Right. So that's why I bring this up too. Um, but I will say, like when so Amy started out as a character in a game. Right. I'm getting at. I don't think I've ever played with Amy as, as one of your characters. I don't think so either. Uh, I've, I've changed things significantly, although there's some core things that are the same, but 
she's not exactly the same as the the character that I played in that game, but mm-hmm. uh, I forgot my I lost my train of thought there. Amy is the character you played in the game. Yeah. Um, so there, there's the role playing aspect of this set the ground for writing her story. So mm-hmm. when I when I sat down and started plunking out backstory from the moment that put that first sentence on my computer I heard her in a different way than mm-hmm. some of the other characters I could literally hear her kind of behind my shoulder um, telling the story and I was like oh that's interesting and the feedback that I got off that backstory from my game group was like there, there's something here like you should do right. something with this they encouraged me you know for better or worse <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out and so I was like, okay, yeah, I should. And life happened. A lot of life happened. And, that, you know, that was only 11 years ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. And so I just sort of kept this in the back of my mind. Yeah, I should write that. I should write that. Like a lot of people do, right? It yeah. sits there and you're like, because I was like, Amy's story is unique. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. Like we mentioned Harley and Joker as a dynamic. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's presence in a yeah. way. It's like it's a proto Harley thing. Not the thing. same. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know Harley Quinn's my favorite character. <laughs> yeah. Right. Full disclosure. Right. And the Joker is my second favorite character. Let's examine um, that later. What it says about you. <laughs> I like to laugh. Sure. Fun sure. The <laughs> in even the darkest places. Sure. Let's go with that. Let's go with that. <laughs> Um, so, I don't know about, so seven years ago, my daughter was born mm-hmm. and I couldn't really role play very right. much anymore. You know, we, we you and I, we tried yep. to get games going and it just, it wasn't working. Well, now we can do this. And, yes, there we go. And so I needed an outlet and I was like, well, I've always wanted to write this story and i think that people will probably enjoy it it's got it's a hell of a roller coaster it is it's a fun ride for sure and so i sat down i was like i'm gonna seriously do this so you know seven years ago i sat down and i was like i'm gonna plunk away at this and had to learn the craft you know i started writing i just wrote her story while role playing is not the same as writing a story Exactly. There are different, there are overlaps, mm-hmm. but there's sort of an open-endedness to, to storytelling that you need to be able to, you know, close up things <laughs> yeah. in a book. Right. Um, that you can't just leave open-ended. Uh, in a game, you can introduce a character, and it doesn't matter if that character ever comes back again. Mm-hmm. They, they either do or they don't. The the player characters either decide they're going to do something and they stick around or they might like, I never want to deal with that character again. And then off they go. Well, in a book, you got to have a purpose and they got to stay in and, you know, right. so there was a there reason there around early on, like the character of Leilani, for example, mm-hmm. um, she 
originally supposed to just be a cameo mm-hmm. that we would see her in later installments in the series. And then I came to realize that I can't do that. <laughs> like right. I have to, I have to bring her in more prominently in the story. Otherwise it won't be satisfying. So I had right. to rewrite some things along the way and, and they changed. So there's a need to stay open with your characters mm-hmm. when you write, when you role play anything like to, to stay open to changing should the story need it. And you know this, like yeah. you game too. Yeah. hundred uh, percent for me, so, for me, like I'm the forever GM, like I don't get to play a lot. So like you yeah. said earlier on, you have to bounce. You got to dip in and out of skins and mm-hmm. I'm, for a character that as a one-off, it's it's easy to like the player characters like oh I'm just gonna they that was memorable and I move on. But from a book standpoint, like you said with Leilani, she sort of took on a more a more prominent role in the writing and and from a maybe like an RPG perspective that wouldn't happen. So in order to develop Leilani, you had to go back and rewrite it so that it was satisfying. Where that role play crossover is. They can be a one and done, and it really doesn't affect the story, like for the most part. So I can see what you mean by having Leilani become well, more it, more character centric. Yeah, she was always she always like she has a purpose, and she always mm-hmm. had a purpose in the overall. Right. I had to tweak that. It ended up coming out so much better for it. Right. I, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um. That's just an example of like having to learn the craft, right? right? So how I learned uh, my very first pages that I wrote, I sent to some beta readers that I paid on Fiverr. Yep, I've done that. It was like, like, here, you know, is there anything here? And they gave me feedback. And one of them was a pastor. (laughs) (laughs) And you know I have that church scene. Oh, yeah. Yep. I got a, a... a scene in a church that gets up to some shenanigans, let's just say. Yep. And um, she she read it and she was like, well, as a pastor, and I didn't know that about her. She had been kind of reading some stuff. And then she was like, just so you know, like, I'm a pastor. <laughs> and you're like, and I, I wanted to, part of me wanted to strangle these two. Because <laughs> right. that's part of the, the Amy and Daniel dynamic is mm-hmm. they get it into a lot of things that are fun, but it's also like, <laughs> you know, hoodlum behavior. Yeah. She's like, part of me wanted to strangle these two, but you wrote it so damn well that I'm sitting here cheering them on. Right. <laughs> and I was like, that is a compliment. That is a compliment. I got the pastor, look at that church scene and give it her stamp of approval. Right. <laughs> and... For those that haven't read it, it gets a little, there's a little steam. It's a little saucy. Let's say it's a little spicy. Church setting. Mm. A uh, bla- there's, there's some blaspheming going on there. Yes, there's some blasphemy. This book has blasphemy. And, it, and that's something that, that surprised me. Um, hmm. Kind of is a theme in the background, like how much Catholicism came out as like both in your face and. Is background themes 
Actually, I didn't. I didn't realize that until you just said it. But yeah, now that you mention it, there. yeah, it it really yeah. is. Yeah, it. Wow, wow, yeah, yeah, really, and yeah. It is actually especially that's, that's kind of cool. With, if you look at the character of Daniel and and how we're sort of introduced to him in that church scene, and then how <laughs> the story progresses, um, it, it is interesting and it, it's subconscious, like right. On my but part, it, but, but is that is that is that something you notice, like as a writer, because we're talking about the writing process? Mm-hmm. How much how much did you notice that? Did your subconscious kind of like come out? A lot. Like th- there were times where it's like I wrote a character just as that character, and then as I get further into the story, I'm like, you know, I took bits of this person and that, and I didn't even. Because I, I didn't set out to, but I'm like, well, right. damned if they aren't sort of that way, you know. So it there there is something that happens there. And I mean, we can only write from our experiences, right? So in some cases, this you know, I refer to it as my soul. Like mm-hmm. there's yeah part of that, but you know, as being a gamer too, that there's a big part of like, your characters are also their own thing, not just you. Right. Like that's part of the fun role playing is getting into somebody else's skin. So it's like, oh, what's that like? You know, and there's always kernels of you for sure. But sometimes a lot of times I'll be like, I'm going to play somebody who's the exact opposite of me. What's that like? You know, well, I, I think to, to compliment that, I, I think characters from a role playing standpoint and from a writing standpoint are all explorations of parts of you. Right. When you when you say I'm going to play something completely different from me, you're not actually playing something completely different from you. You're playing something that you haven't accessed, like you haven't explored it. You haven't touched on that version of you, or or that emotion, or that or that mentality that you're personifying in a character. And from writing characters, like when I write a game out, I write out NPCs, I write out basic information, and each NPC is different. But there has to be some kernel of of reality in them to make them live. And when you when you explore characters from a dynamic of, well, this is something I wouldn't do normally, it gives you license to really kind of dive into that. And I think what what I do if I was in that situation? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You you have oh, that moment of what I do. Yeah, hundred percent. I think for for writers too, like there's that tharsis, I guess, of living another life. You know, mm-hmm. of trying out different things. And in my case, because it's horror, I always put a spin on it of how could this go wrong? Right. <laughs> you know, not that things don't ever go right for Amy, but a lot of times it's like just more interesting i think <laughs> and sometimes it's like you're so hard on her <laughs> i mean it serves the story well though like life i i heard a i heard a quote that said life is is a is a series of train wrecks with uh bright uh bright spots of happiness right it's just one one train wreck after another with bright spots of happiness in there and i think that's I think in Amy's case, that's very like very true because like she goes from one situation to another, but yet in between that, there there's like the fence painting scene with Kayla, right? I'm not going to dip into yeah. spoilers, but that scene to me stands out because it, it's it's a moment where 
get to nothing, breathe. Right. There's nothing bad happening. There's there's no there's no chaos. There's no 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 one coming after them. Nothing. It's just two friends painting a fence and just being friends. And then another train wreck happens later. It's like you can look at that scene particular as like just a moment of breath, a moment of of happiness between them before the next train wreck hits. And I think that's a, a yeah. great I think that's a great thing, like like you said. And I think exploring that with someone saying you're too hard on Amy, having those moments is is key. You have that you have those yeah, moments I'm where like, well, Amy can got, be so yeah, she's got some good things that happen too. Yeah. You know, for sure. But it is horror. Yeah. It is horror because so, horror is horror. I mean Well and I have people and I know I have a content warning at the, the beginning because one of the things as you get into to writing is you have to find the right audience yes. for your book. So if you're if you've got sex scenes in it, for example, and somebody really doesn't like them, they need to know up front mm-hmm. this is that kind of book. And so I have a content warning at, at the front of my <laughs> It is it is really good. <laughs> yeah, what is it? Um it's graphic sex, graphic violence, graphic use of ellipses or something. I don't yeah, know it off the top of my head, but it's, it made me chuckle so hard. Sure content and themes. Graphic language, graphic sex, graphic violence, graphic design, graphic ellipsis use. Yep. <laughs> yes. But what, so, what? <sighs> yeah, you, you just, and that's part of, of learning the mm-hmm. writing process, too. So there's different craft techniques and you got to decide, do I want it to be in first person or third person? Do I want it to be in present tense? Do I want it to be in um, past? You know, and there's different pros and cons to, to all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I tried in the beginning a couple different ways. See. So you played with it a little what bit. Resonated. Yeah. Um, so there's a, ver- there's a version of part of, opening chapter well, most of the opening chapter it's um third person right that was an early version too that was not even in the barn i originally had an opening um in school so, okay and then that... when i started when i got a little bit more serious about it i was like where are we coming down in? And I literally felt myself come down in over Amy's shoulder. She hops through that rotted barn window in, in the beginning. Right? right. So it's, there, there's a lot of different techniques that you can use. Like I, I went with the immersive style of writing. Okay. Because it, it's an empath story, right? I you want you to get down to, yeah. and into, and it's first person, past tense. And I settled on that because it gives me such a wide range. So you can, you know, the story is being told to you after the fact in past mm-hmm. tense. And then I also can, through the use of like italics, have you go right there into the moment in Amy's head. And so it, it's a technique to control the pacing of the story. Mm-hmm. If I need it to speed up, if I need it to slow down, I have a lot of different tools for that. So whenever I need it to slow down, I might get into Amy's head a little bit more. 
right? You, you take those moments to process with her. If I need it to speed up, then you can take short sentences. Mm. No, if you if you want something to be dynamic, you take short, punchy sentences. You, and you get it you know, over with. Like a fight scene, for example. Yeah. There's a fight scene in this in this that I had to kind of learn how best to relay that. It should be a cathartic fight scene for you if you don't like Daniel. <laughs> I mean, I, I, don't, <laughs> I, I don't hate Daniel. Just Daniel gives me vibes. That's all I'm saying. Oh, yes. <laughs> but, I mean, you talk about the fight scene. Uh, the fight scene for me was interesting because I have years and years and years of hand-to-hand combat experience and, and weapons training, and I choreographed a bunch of fights for videos, and even in some of the writing I've done, fight scenes are, are, are very really good central. at it. Rick is a talented writer on We're not own. talking about me! Stop uh, it! Stop it! Stop way. it! Stop so it. I'm going to switch no, this no, around no, and no, ask no, you no. about your process. Is, no! <laughs> no! We're talking about you first. But the fight scene... The way you describe it is um, way different than I would have, but very satisfying because where I focus on the the adrenaline and, and the, the, the technicalities of fight, like foot placement and body movement and stuff, yours is a more, like I said, a visceral emotional thing where it's, it, it occurs. There's a, there's a chaos to it. And it's it's well done, but it was way different from the way I would do it. And I was like, when I was when I was reading it, I was like, okay, how? I was trying to break it down from a choreography standpoint, and you have this emotional malaise in there, and I'm like, well, he isn't the one fighting, He's right? Observing a fight, right? Exactly, and feeling then, the emotions from that fight, and that's that's, that's that's when it clicked on me. I was like, wait, it's. It's it's a different it's a different lens for me, because when when the fight initially, like I said, when the fight broke out, I was like, "Ooh, where's the choreography? Where's the technique?" And Amy's like, "Da da da." It almost gave me a color commentator vibe from like a, a like a like a ringside fight call. Yeah. And once I kind of stepped back and kind of sat at the booth and watched Amy call the fight, it was very satisfying, very well done. Very well done. Thank you. And uh, but then again, like you said, uh, fight scenes are are interesting because you have to learn the craft of writing a fight scene. You have to learn how to write an emotion. So was that fight scene? I don't know how I want to ask the question where you're going to understand it. How was writing that fight scene like different than writing like a sex scene for you? Was or was there a difference? There wasn't really. No. I mean, other than it, she wasn't actively involved. Well, she's sort of actively involved in the fight. Yeah. It does affect her, right? A bit, and she affects it. That it's she doesn't throw any right. single punches, shall we say? Um. But it wasn't really, and no. and I think that's the point. You're still getting down into that moment, and it's like, all right, this happened. How's she feeling about that? Mm-hmm. What exactly is going on? How is it affecting her in that moment? Yeah. 
Because for me, like, you did your little stupid turn the table. For me, when I write a, a, a fight scene, it's, I want you in the middle of the fight scene. I want you to feel the the adrenaline and well, the yeah. danger and the impact. There is a quickness, right? right? I guess they they do differ in in the pacing, right? I want you, I want quickness. you to, I want you to understand the timing is different from like, like, I yeah. hate that you opened the door because now I got to talk about my shit, which don't like it. But when well, I no, you should. Oh, I know, but I I just this is the, we're celebrating you, woman. Stop it. <laughs> but. I think for me, writing a fight scene or an action scene is almost, I have to like view it from like a, like a, almost like a cinematography level where I want you to, to see and feel the action and feel the impact of the hits or the shots or, or the knife cuts or whatever, but not in an emotional way where Amy can can feel them. Then once I'm out of the fight scene, I wanna I wanna wrap it in the context of the story where everybody then feels the gravity of what just happened, right? So it's almost two different it's almost two different things for me is there's the fight which is the spectacle, the event and everything that surrounds it, the chaos and and the fear and the adrenaline and and the the senses get keyed up in a fight where once the fight is over, then all the other stuff comes back in. So it's almost like for me, or I don't know how to explain it. Cause I never had to think about it uh, in a way, the way I write it as opposed to the way you write it. And I, I think I need to think more on it after this show. Thank you for that. But I don't know. It's, it's, it's cool. interesting. The the way you wrote the fight scene was really cool, and it was so different from mine. And that, I guess that's the key point that I'm trying to make is like, it was a way of presenting a fight that I couldn't see that angle of it. And then once I realized how Amy was basically like calling the fight, it allowed me to 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 more fully visualize and understand how the fight was playing out. Because it was it wasn't just the the fight itself. There was a whole nother layer with Amy's involvement. Yeah. And that was initially I I couldn't I couldn't get past my own like scripting of a fight until I got into Amy's head as the color commentator. And I think that's so well done. And I think physical combat in writing is hard. Right? And the way you handled it from the genre and the character standpoint is so different than I would that I found it I found it very intriguing and unique, a unique thing that I took away. And I think it's great because now if I was to go back and look at some of mine, I don't want to say I would flavor it in your style, but it's also something I should think about. Yeah. You learn different techniques from different writers. Right, right, right. So with that, with that being said, were there any techniques from other writers that you see yourself using or, or maybe calling back to? As you were kind of writing the book, well, I I did want to say um, something that I don't think has come across is that in that fight scene, she gets overwhelmed by mm-hmm. the anger. Right. And part of 
that happens is anger. She she takes it in and she becomes angry herself. Right. Right. And so suddenly she's hit and overwhelmed, and now you got this empath who can control emotions who's pissed off. Right. right? That's. Mm-hmm. And what she decides to do that that. No. Right. Yeah, or doesn't decide to do because she gets overwhelmed and she just reacts. Your anger, not thinking. Right? Yeah, so and there's, there's. Go ahead. She gets into an emotional battle. And that's and, and that's one of the things. Clean. Yeah, <laughs> and and in the real world, if you've done any combat training or been in any fights, you know that emotions often make you uh, not as 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 capable. Because in a real conflict, if you let your emotions overwhelm See, you. See, right. Well, I yeah, do. Yeah. When you I've will lose in, in for the most part. Because that anger clouds your judgment. It it, it overrides the your ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, that's another, another good point that you brought up is I've been in real conflicts and bar fights and bodyguarding work and, and in fighting through my martial arts. Early on, I did allow my emotions to kind of creep into it more and i relied on the emotional instinct of a fight and when you do get overwhelmed you do lose your sense of self in a fight and i think i think by showing amy being overwhelmed and becoming angry you highlight that point in some point and and as the fight uh, plays out and and i used the metaphor to get back to the writing techniques I used a metaphor of a bull, like an angry bull in a china kind of, shop. Yeah. Right. For her to, to show what that's like and it's how it just takes over and going mm-hmm. from there. So, yep. I, um, I you know. had another question you, you lead, you led into, um, remember what it was? Yeah. We were talking about writing techniques and how you pick it up and how we were talking about the fight scene and learning the technique from that. Are oh, there any other, yeah, any other writing techniques or writers' influences that you could call back to or, or, or that you relied on a little bit to kind of further create your story and, and work scenes out? Because you said you have to develop new techniques. And in order to develop different techniques, you have to be shown or you have to learn them or figure them out. Sure. So this this has been a long process that has involved many different people over multiple different groups um mm-hmm. getting involved in a writing group is a fantastic thing i had critique partners on that fight scene in particular mm-hmm. i put it out for other people to critique and then they would be like okay you know you could ramp it up here or you know this isn't hitting the way that you want or whatever and so you hone it for multiple different people mm-hmm. um and then, you know, just Googling how to write a fight scene, and you'll get articles on that. And you, you pick and choose what you resonate with. It's not right. that it becomes your style, necessarily, but okay. you're like, yeah, you know, I could see that, the, the punchy line thing. Like, okay, yeah, I got to keep it. If I want the fight to feel dynamic, I need to keep it dynamic mm-hmm. with, with my words. And so, it, you know, it's been a lot of different hands went into this. It's not any one 
person or technique or whatever. It's a lot of them. So I'd say like in terms of author influences, when I first started writing, I was not a, a Stephen King fan. Like I, I hadn't read anything of his except for mm -hmm. The Green Mile and I didn't like it. <laughs> what? You didn't like The Green Mile? I didn't like it. How then, dare you? No. And I, I never was like it. in my early 20s when I read it. Right? That I revisited and how I love it. So right. This is a testament to how much we can change, right? But I, I started reading him and I'm like, I have a style very similar to his, mm -hmm. which I, I call sort of the fireside chat right. style. Like he makes you feel like he's really telling just you that story. So it was like, I resonate with that. Oh, of course I love him. Like he's the master in many ways. He, he, his writing is, is very good. I haven't read a lot of King, uh, like, like your husband, Brian, the dark tower series is sort of my, my experience with King. I, I well, that's how I got into him. Brian was like, yeah, Here, read, this. read that. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, okay. And then I went from there. Mm. So it's funny. <laughs> the dark tower being our in, and I'm not yeah. super into fantasy either. That's sort of my end with King. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting that um, King, we mentioned King as a writer. He's so versatile. He does horror, he does fantasy. He did stuff like the Green Mile and Shawshank Redemption because there's a versatility, a versa, versatility to what he does. And we've, we've talked about it from a, a, G, a gaming perspective too. You have to have a certain versatility to tell different stories at different points of times within a story because a story or a game isn't just the story or the game. There's other little stories and other little moments inside those greater moments. And if you don't have the technique to tell those stories or, or bring up those situations, you have to develop those as part of your kit. So I think, yeah. I think King is a, is a great example of how to do versatility in not only genre but also writing, and like I said, I, my primarily read the Dark Tower from King. I haven't, I dipped into the Stand a little bit and it, but other, but the Dark Tower is where sort of my experience with King, and even within that series, there's a lot of versatility and, and mastery in the craft that you can see it working its its way through the the book series for sure. Well, that series is more like uh, it's very role play esque. I feel yes. like. The characters are there, and they just sort of ramble through yeah. <laughs> for a, a lot bit. of the time. And that's one thing about King Style. Um, we'll say that he rambles, but I it's those little things that make you care later. Like in mm -hmm. in my experience, it's not rambling just for the sake of rambling. Although you're, some of it is. I'll forgive you. For, I'll forgive you for seeing that. That's not I'm saying it's not there at all. Right. But I think. It's character development, mm -hmm. and that is so important to take the time to really get to know your characters so that they have a more emotional impact. Stephen King is excellent at that. Like, even in his short stories, he'll tell you little quirky things about the characters so that when they die horribly <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> they often do. Care, yeah. you know? 
Um, yeah. Another influence, well, and I, I just want to say too, on writing, like if mm-hmm. you are thinking about getting into writing, On Writing by Stephen King is sort of his memoir okay. of his writing journey. And he gives advice sprinkled out throughout it that I found invaluable. And just like, he's got a line where, you know, he'll, he'll go on and on about editing and the editing process. And then he just stops and he's like, you know, sometimes I kept the adverb in because fuck it. I like it that way. Right. <laughs> and, and I kept that in my head throughout the writing process. Mm-hmm. It's also um, saying about how you're still going to get criticized no matter what you do. Yep. You might as well do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, I mean, even you uh, have to, as, as, yeah, as any creative. So you've got mm-hmm. this show on your Twitch channel. You know, you have to kind of run out of fucks to give. Yep. <laughs> you know, you just gotta do it your it's way. Very helpful. Just be like, well, the story is what it is, and you know, I put my heart and soul into this book. Yeah, you can every tell. last bit of me to try to make it the best story that I could. Because when I decided to write, I was like, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do it well into a standard that I can be proud of. And I have exacting standards. Yeah, you do. <laughs> but like, I am my biggest critic. We all are. Yeah. And, and I am very proud and love how it came out. You should. It's really, really it's good. It's a very twisted story. Like, so... My other, uh, another big influence is Anne Rice, right? Mm-hmm. And she has a very, um, I mean, she's the queen of horror. She has a very more, she gets into to details and she'll take you down and into a scene to make you feel like you're living there. Mm-hmm. And sometimes overly so. Right. You know, it could be said. And I, that's a fair criticism, I think. But I personally devour that style. I love it. Mm-hmm. So like to to feel like she made me feel like I was walking and I'm I'm rereading Lasher right now, which is the okay. second in her in her witching hour series. It's the same thing. You, she has a way of making you feel like you were walking the streets of New Orleans. Right? It's not New Orleans. It's New Orleans. Get it right. New Orleans. New Orleans. <laughs> New Orleans. Come on, girl. Wisconsin. Sorry. Yeah, you are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so. I took that with me. Like that was something that was important to me for mm-hmm. my writing style. And then you got somebody like Jim Butcher, who is urban fantasy. Love Butcher. A fantasy series and a steampunk series. Love Butcher. And I also shoved Jim Butcher in my face. He's, he's my book influence. Good call. A lot of times he'll be like, check this out. And he'll, he'll slap it in front of me. And I don't even read the blurb. Mm-hmm. These things. I'm just like, okay. And I take it as the story is and mm-hmm. not with any expectation, which is such a gift yeah <laughs> to be able to just come in and be like i don't know any much about this okay there's a wizard in chicago yeah okay <laughs> all right let's give go it a try let's roll and i actually almost didn't finish the first one why I put it down i put it down halfway through because i just wasn't connecting right to the characters and i was like oh, i'm just not and i got to the part with um the fairy i'm blanking on his name oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. oh god Who it's been I so long adore. yes i adore him now but is, is it time, zoot no uh, toot, toot. 
Toot Toot, that's it, yeah. He calls him the Za Lord. The Za Lord, that's it, yeah. The Za Lord. Yeah. The Pizza Lord. Yes. And I just was like, where, what is this and where is it going? And, uh, and I just didn't, I didn't want to deal with it. And I was listening on audio, you know, to the audio version. And so the voice for Tutu got too annoying to me at the same time. And I was like, no, I just can't. Right? <laughs> and, and Dresden is, this is a thing with urban fantasy I think in general, very much like I am big badass, you know, right. and, and he came across like that. And later on, he does not like the series goes in such wonderful directions and he gets more humble. And so there's character growth there, but I guess his ego bothered me. Yeah. He gets <laughs> humble for sure. And, yeah. and so I put it down and then Brian shoved it back in my face and he was like, no, finish, finish it. it. Go on to the next series and keep, you know, give that a try. And so I did, and I finished it, and it wrapped up, and it was an adequate story. And then I did the second one, and I was just absolutely hooked. Yeah. I, I'm so thankful for him because I think it's full moon is the second one. Yeah. The, there's a sense of humor to Jim Butcher's work that I really resonate with. And he's a gamer, too. Yeah, right? oh, 100%. He wants to always make it. Fun. And so those are kind of my three big author influences, I guess. That's not a that's not that's not a bad trio right there. I mean and you I mean you got like the king of like horror and on writing versatility. You got Anne Rice who's just a monster both in and out of the page. Like she's like I haven't read a lot of Anne Rice, but the, the stuff I have read is just it's so like just like you said, visceral and it brings you down and it takes you there. And then Butcher, Butcher is like one of my favorites as well, because Butcher's style is this sort of ruling irreverence and, and sort of like it's a thrill ride, but yet there's, there's a humanity to it where Harry yeah. just gets beat down and beat down, but yet he gets back up, he grabs his hat and he just is like, all right, I bleed out. But it's gonna get and done. He'll, he'll go into a situation with his fireball ready or yep. whatever. Like he's he's gonna handle it. And he goes in with his plan, <laughs> and it all goes sideways. Yep. Right. And then he, he has to get out of it using his wits. It's never cheap. Right. right. He gets out of it by the skin of his teeth. Yep. And in ways that make sense. He earns it for character. sure. There's no Deus Ex Machina. Nope. You know and. That's just masterful, it in is. my opinion. Yeah. So it, when it's, oh, go ahead. go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just like, gonna say what when it. <laughs> this, what, this is what this what happens when you have friends for twenty two years. Like it's what happens. When I first started this journey, I wanted to be like one of my goals was to get on a shelf next to Jim Butcher. Nice. I didn't realize that I wasn't writing urban fantasy because it could have gone in that direction. Right. It could have. But then as I got to understand genre, mm -hmm. genre expectations, and, and I'm like, man, everything I touch is horror. Like, right. I cut my teeth as a role player on Vampire the Masquerade. Ugh, Vampire the Masquerade. You know? So there's a love for that genre that just I'm like 
how can I twist this? I like twisted dark things, mm-hmm. but to put humor on them, obviously, like I said, I like the Joker and Harley. So yeah, there's, there's always that through, through this whole thing. I said, how any time that I can get humor mm-hmm. shoved in there in a way that isn't ham fisted. Yeah. Or cheap. Yeah. Cheap. Like that's important. Um, I do. If I can make it funny, I do make it funny, or at least I strive to. I think um, I think you do a good job. But not at the it. expense of the seriousness of the situation. Mm-hmm. So it'll it will never be inappropriate. Like something dire is happening, and then he's cracking some snark ass joke. You know. You know. You know when you mention that, I think Marvel, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, has a problem with that. Like if you watch the if you watch the Marvel movies, they're always always cracking jokes well, that's a comic superhero thing yeah and but it's fine I mean, that's, that's what that genre does same thing with urban fantasy mm. on the whole jim butcher is almost in a class of his own because a lot of the urban fantasies that i've read you know the the characters tend to just be snarky at inappropriate times you know where it's like something horrible just happened and you're gonna one-liner it which it's fine. Like it's 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 another way of of handling a story, but for me, it it takes me out of the seriousness of the moment and mm-hmm. it takes it down a notch, which some people may need. Right? We all come at stories from, from different perspectives, so that's how I understood that it wasn't doing urban fantasy. It was one right. of the, one of the things where yeah. if I I think people that like urban fantasy will also like this if they like yeah. dark. Oh yeah. Urban fantasy. I love urban fantasy, and and like I said, horror's not my genre, but I really enjoyed your book. So yeah, I definitely a hundred percent on that statement. The urban fantasy tends to end each book like on a higher note. Like the the hero wins the day. Mm-hmm. You know, there might be some bad stuff still. I mean, Harry's got himself in recent books <laughs> in a heap of trouble. Yeah, right. There's things looming over him. But mm-hmm. he still comes out victorious, and in horror, you don't—you're not limited by that. Mm-hmm. It could happen; the character can come out victorious, or they could die, right? You know, or they could be find a fate worse than death, which, in some ways, I would argue is what happens to Amy at the end of this book. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I no. could totally agree with that. But I want to. Uh, Chris messaged me. Uh, as he's kind of watching along, it says it's like even in the most darkest times or moments, Nikki still vies to find the beauty and love in it. Not everything needs to be doom and gloom. There's still hope and some light that they'll make it through. And I think that's very apropos. Hundred percent, I would agree with that. Is that something that you purposely tried to do, or is that just something that sort of came out as a product of it? I don't know. I think a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. And I, I, go ahead. It's just, if it gets too hopeless, like I said before, it gets, you lose that connection. Right. It has to be hope to keep going for a brighter day in the future. Yeah. I think, I think one of the things that I've personally noticed through my writing and my character development as a, as a GM and a player and, and amateur writing is you have to have an ability to let the story go where the story needs to go. 
Like when I yeah. when I when I oh, sat yeah. down, I was like, okay, I have an idea of what I want, and I want to I want to get this done. But there were times in in my let's call it book where there were scenes that were never initially there. Like a lot of yeah. the stuff with Camille, the the assistant Cam, that wasn't a thing. Like Cam was just supposed to be an assistant to to Maddox. She was just supposed to be like sort of the Hey, I'm, you know, a boss character dynamic where Cam was just the assistant and she like cameoed like Leilani did. But I noticed that um, as Cam and and Docs, the character, for those of you that don't know or are new to the show, uh, the whole Docs Ryan persona on Twitch is actually comes from my main character. Like I started... I started a Twitter. I was like, oh, I'm going to tweet in character, just random shit to kind of draw interest. Well, as I, as life kind of got more and more crazy, I had less and less time to write and streaming became more of an easier thing for me to do where I didn't have to do so much. I didn't know where to go. And I sort of took on, well, I already had the branding as Doc's Ryan. So yeah. It works. Get, it's a unique name. <laughs> it's, yeah, exactly. Right? But as Docs and Cam had more screen time per se, there was the story had to go on its own way. Like I never designed Cam to be commute. Like she was never Cam. She was just his assistant. She kept him on track, but she sort of became this more deeper figure. And the people who have read the book are like. Cam is like my favorite. Camille is amazing. Don't, don't, she's so precious. She must be protected. Right. And I think as a writer and as a GM and as a creative in general, you have to let whatever project you are working on develop on its own, but within the boundaries that you set for it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. Um, there's a scene at the end I don't yep. want to get into spoilers, but there's a scene with Daniel at the end. Yep. And I I knew what I wanted to do with it. Uh-huh. I had a beat that I had to hit with that character. And didn't had some ideas. And then when I started writing them out, he would just be like, no, wouldn't do that. Oh, oh. he was just being... A stubborn ass. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I was like, well, what I need for the story is for something like this to happen. Mm-hmm. Something that showcases this part of him, that we say. And so then I was like, however that comes out, I was like, I'm not going to force it. I'm not going to force it here. Well, I'm just going to move on with the story write the scene comes after this and if it it'll be what it is right and then i write i wrote one of the stories let's see i don't want to spoil anything we'll just say that um amy's in the back of kayla's truck mm-hmm. at the end there's a scene that happens there and then it escalates and then daniel's like he just started doing the thing that I needed him to fulfill. Right? The, the the point that I needed him to hit. He's like, I'm going to do it this way. And I'm like, okay. Right. 
that works and it's disturbing and twisted <laughs> yeah. and wonderful. Um, and it, it hits what it needs to hit. Yeah. That that's an example of time when I rolled with it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and the whole character of Kayla, by the way, is a rolling with. Yeah. In, I kind of got a sense of that. Yeah. I kind of got a um, sense of that because as you read Kayla, I, I, I didn't talk to you about the book much. I didn't have much time to really help with the transition of moving and all the other shit that I got going on. I was surprised that life. you even read the whole thing with all that you have going on. So, yeah, well, you're like, you're my girl. I'm going to, you know, I told you I was going to do it. I'm going to do it. You know, but, you know I, that's my, that's me. But as I was reading it, I was like, I could totally, I totally got that vibe that Kayla sort of grew organically and you kind of gave her breath. And it, there wasn't anything in particular when I read it. It was just like, I got that cam vibe. Like, like to me, like Kayla came off as like cam to me, like as I was reading through it, I was like, that's the cam character. She sort of grew into something much, much bigger. And just like I said, it wasn't any way you wrote it. It was just the vibe from like the way I write that I could see Kayla being that sort of character that just sort of grew into something. You know what I mean? Yeah, she, she for years in my head was supposed to back away from Amy in the beginning. Like when Amy gets these abilities, you know, she was always the best friend that just sort of was like, okay, you're losing your mind. Mm-hmm. I can't be around you anymore or whatever. Um, and then I wrote that first chapter with her in, in the barn and I got to the end of it and Kayla looked me in the eye and she was like, no, I'm not going anywhere. Right. (laughs) The way that you've, the way that you've written me, there's no way I'm going anywhere. And I was like, right. (laughs) So then I had to rework the entire series to fit her in. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Which was fine because you know, like as a GM, you roll. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Having my story, my years of storytelling experience, I went, okay, go there and do that. It wasn't in my original thoughts, but I think it makes the story a lot stronger to have her in it. And she's a favorite character for a lot of people. Yeah, she's really well done. And all the characters are are really well done, whether you like them, hate them, love to hate them, or you just in general. I I think that is, I think that is a, a strength of the book and of your writing style in general, because for those of you that don't know, Nikki didn't just drop a book, right? You, you don't just drop a book. You have other stories that have been featured in anthologies. You have little short yeah. stories that have, uh, that have gone. And so like, you don't just one day and be like, publish the book, right? There's other things you got to have like little short stories that kind of build your toolbox. And, I think yeah, like go ahead. The the, the I've written some things called drabbles, mm-hmm. and if you are interested in writing, you might want to look into what they are because they're both the most frustrating, greatest tool <laughs> in your kit because it's telling a story in one hundred words. Right. Yeah. One hundred words. That. And you have to tell a whole story. It has to have a beginning, a middle, and an end, and be interesting. Have a twist at the end, you no. Know? And so, 
I, I took on this challenge from a writing group that I was in and I kind of got tricked into publishing it. <laughs> Thank you, Michelle, if, if you're watching. I think um, she is. Well, not the Michelle you know. This is oh, then no. I don't know if she's watching. <laughs> Michelle Sissom. Not sure okay. if that's how you pronounce her last name. Oh, from anyway. the, the right. I, I know the name. Yeah, the yeah. Writing Prompts and Critiques group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good group, um, by the way. Yes. So she kind of tricked me and several others into getting into this book and my travel got accepted and I was like, oh, oh, somebody else read my story and it resonated enough to, to get it in here. And the thing with Drabbles is it teaches you how to edit, hmm. how to get succinct with your words. You got a hundred words and you got to use every single one. <laughs> All right. And so my novel is 127,000 words. Good Lord. Good Lord. And it was so helpful going through the editing process to know, you know, I really don't need this word. This word is superfluous, whatever. Um, Invaluable. So Mm -hmm. if you haven't done it as a writing exercise, even if you don't submit it anywhere, I highly recommend it. You'll, you'll gain some mad editing skills. <laughs> and then I, I got bit by the bug and I love to write travels. Right. Like, not, I was only allowed to, to do so much outside of my novel. You know, mm-hmm. you only have so much time in a day. So they were really good. Well, break as well. So, Switch ups. And one, one of the hardest things for me as a human being is putting myself out there. So like mm. even just being on this camera in front of everybody live is something that I've had to work to overcome. You're doing life. great, darling. You look wonderful. Well, I've gotten much better at it. Yep. Um, again, it also helps to run out of fucks because you're like, that's oh, going to be what it is. Right? right. So, yeah. And to, to, Back, we, were, we were talking before about how I got into the publishing process mm-hmm. like I did. Um, I had that hey. sort of wanting to be on the shelf next to Jim Butcher, realizing I wasn't urban fantasy, <laughs> bursting that bubble. Um, but, then, but then there's, you know, do I want to even be on the shelf in these major stores? Yeah, because your book is self-published, right? Yeah, so I started my own publishing company. Yeah, you publishing. did. Let's go. And we'll see where it goes. I'm always open. I may open it up at some point in the future to anthologies and, and mm-hmm. whatnot. Right now, I'm sort of getting my sea legs with my own stuff. But um, I decided to do that because you know I took a look at all my options. And when you get into traditional publishing, they pay you about 7 to 10% royalties on every book and that's that's um profit on the profits right mm-hmm. it's a it's a pittance that kind of irked me but that wasn't quite enough because you know if you sell enough right seven to ten percent can grow and, and right. be amazing but then as i got into it i understood that like if you're a new author they don't really do much marketing for you Mm-hmm. Like it's really you'd I'd have to be out doing this stuff anyway, and 
for the little percentage that you get and the absolute rigmarole of having to find an agent and that's a whole thing and <laughs> you know having gatekeepers really Ugh. i've written something that jumps across genres mm -hmm. it's very different and strange and hard to package and believe me i've been working on it right mm -hmm. i just wrote her story as it was and a lot of times when you, you you write it you get an agent they go in there they they mess around with it and at the end of the day what i decided is I want control over my characters so I've, right. I've heard many a horror story that once a publisher buys your book they own the characters what so i have a i have a nine book yeah i have a nine book series planned and I'm writing it accordingly. Uh -huh. There's stuff that's going to come out in book one that is not going to be answered or until we get to that ninth book, really. Well, maybe a little bit earlier, but it's gonna it's a long term game. And they decided on book two or book three even that I'm just not selling well. Mm-hmm. Oh, they'll pull it, bury you, and they own your characters, or however long the contract goes. But it's mm. standard, and you might be able to buy the rights back from them. But I was like, I am not okay with that. No, no, God no. These are characters that have been with me for so long, and I care about them, and I want to see what their story is. So mm. I was like, well, what's the self-publishing thing? No. I looked into it, and I was like, well, that looks like a challenge. <laughs> sure, add that on top of shit. And it's possible now in a way mm -hmm. that it wasn't before. That, I think, is a, only a great thing. So now I get to bring my story out to the people. I don't have to get it through gatekeepers of the publishing industry. Yeah. You know what I mean? Who might not resonate with me. I'm a misfit. Yeah, you are. Yeah, well, it's the same thing with our podcast. Like, traditionally, you'd have to have a radio show, right? And you, you, you know, you'd have to sell it to a radio show, and then they dabble in it. Or even on the on the Twitch stream side and the role playing side, what I do with all my shows, like, you couldn't just turn on the Doc Ryan channel. You'd have to go to like KPB Rex or whatever and have them deal around with it. So, creative control. And owning your own shit independently is is a, is it's everything. It's everything, and it's also everything because everything is on you now. Everything's on me. Everything's on yep. Chris. Everything's on you. Everything's on Brian. Like you don't have the infrastructure of like a publishing company or or a, or a media company to kind of lift some of the some of the stuff off. But as you said, you're a new writer they weren't really going to be doing much work for you anyway. And they yeah. own your shit. Like, uh, Just hell was not, no. Not something I was interested in. No. I, I want complete contr creative control. I wanted to be able to put sex scenes in and not have them be like, oh my goodness. Oh, Lord, how, how dare. You can't, you know, you can't <laughs> right. put that in there because we won't be able to sell it to as many people. Right. And it's like, well, but that's part of Amy's story. Right. So it's kind of central to that. 
Yeah, or like the cussing. Right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of swearing in this. <laughs> They're teenagers. Teenagers <laughs> you know? cuss. Um, that might have been scaled back significantly or taken out altogether. And that's just not my style. It would kill my soul. Yeah. And this is supposed to be an expression of that soul, not not a an invitation to kill it. Right. And Chris mentioned something in DMs. He said that publishers, recording studios, and media companies, they were they were able to take what they wanted because they were the in-between. They were the middleman. And with the advent of social media and the internet, what it is, middle people aren't they're not needed as much anymore. They the the old the old traditional forms of well you submit your stuff isn't necessary anymore because you have Amazon and and uh like Google Publishing and all the other places you have it, which there's a link in the chat where you can all yeah, the different it's, it's available at, mm-hmm. everywhere. Like yeah. you can get it at Barnes and Noble. I'm in the process of trying to get Barnes and Noble to do the print copy and that's a whole nother headache. Um they do not don't think like self-published people. God no. <laughs> there, um, they have so many flaming hoops, and if you published on Amazon, they don't like you. <laughs> like they're they're pre they're predisposed <laughs> to throw more hoops in your way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I will get it ironed out. Yeah, but they are making it difficult for me. Because they, they, they fear your power. Yeah. So it it's and and there are ways as a self published author, I should say, to um get your book in the in the libraries, in the bookstore. That's no mm-hmm. longer the purview of the big four publishers right. anymore. You can do it. You just gotta put the legwork in. And a lot of times like a local store will want to carry local authors. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's a thing. So I don't, it's more work in a lot of ways, but like I've always been my own, not always, always, but for a long time now, I've been my own boss. Right. In a lot of different um, ventures in my life. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't so much of a jump for me. I was like, I could do it, you know, and it's a huge learning curve. That's been a lot of this year, Mm -hmm. you know, really not only learning the cra- the craft of writing, but learning how to publish and all the ins and outs of it. And still being surprised by things like, you know, Barnes mm-hmm. & Noble deciding to not take the ISBN number that I have because I used it on Amazon. It's not Amazon's I It's not Amazon's ISBN number. Right, I it's yours. It. Right. I'm, and that's a huge thing, right? Um, when I was heavily into writing my book and I'm still dabbling with it. People are still pestering me about it, but that was one of the things that I was looking into when people were saying it's really good. You should get it published is one of the pieces of advice I got was buy your ISBN, right? Make sure you own it so that you can put it wherever, wherever, right? Yeah. Yeah. Where the stores don't generate the ISBN. You have it. You then decide where it goes, not where the stores well, now, go. Now they're saying, well, you use that number with Amazon if you don't want. Tough shit, it's mine. Whereas, by the way, like Random House has mm-hmm. a single ISBN uh-huh. for, for their stuff. Right. That's fine with them. They can be on Amazon. Just not they independent. They can be on Barnes & Noble. Right. Just not me. And if I would have uploaded to Barnes & Noble first, 
apparently this isn't an issue. Oh, kiss my ass. Oh, yeah. That is so, that is such petty bullshit. That is such petty bullshit. By the way, takes more royalties than their authors. What? So my my book is more expensive. It's going to be more expensive out there. The ebook's the same. Right. Like, it's just behind the scenes stuff. Like, why? Well, that's important to hear. Yeah. No. So is it is it worth it? You know, I I still want it to be in the store. Right. But it has soured me on them. I oh, say. I could see that one hundred percent. When I first started this, it was like, oh, to be in Barnes and Noble to see my book there. <gasps> Ooh, and and now it's like, <laughs> okay, you know, if that's how you're gonna be, you don't really want us there, and you want to make it ridiculously difficult. Then I'm gonna take my damn sweet time, and people are gonna be buying it on Amazon instead. Facts, hundred percent, hundred percent. So, so, um. Nikki, we got we about. We have power in this as self-published authors. Yes, so I want to independent, put that out there. independent For artists in general. Like 100%. we don't need that middleman anymore. No, we. Now, do is not. it nice to have help with marketing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sure. Like, there's there's some perks to it. And I don't want to like completely negate traditional publishing. If it's something that you want to do, it can be very worthwhile and satisfying, and you do you. Yeah, but because some people if, can't do social media or marketing. Yeah, and so they're fine with whatever they're able to get. They might not be as invested in what they're writing, right? Mm -hmm. To me, I put my heart and soul, I breathe life into Amy. It'd be like giving somebody my child. That's how I look at this. Right. And so it all just depends on what you want and what your goals are. And, uh, you know, my goals are just to kind of see what happens with this and, you know. Take it each day at a time, you know, and, and build it one reader at a time. Hundred percent. Well, we got about half an hour left before we hit the happy endings, and I want to kind of like get to know you. I want the people here and who are going to hear an audio version or watch it on YouTube get to know you sort of as Nikki and not necessarily the writer. So, a couple questions that I just wanted to ask you is like. Outside of writing, like what what do you do? Like what do you what are you into? What's what's your thing when you're not writing? So that the people oh get to know goodness. more of you. Um I I do like to play video games. I've been yeah. playing Diablo three with my husband lately yes. just just to kill things. You know? Murdering <laughs> shit just to get rid of things. Oh, I'm I'm with you. Right there, girl. <laughs> um, I also really like to work out. In fact, you're the one that, that got me Hooked on Bob. That's a, right. A, Body opponent he, bag. Thank you. I was going to say what they stand for. Body mm-hmm. opponent bag. And I even got a little Bob for my daughter. Yay! <laughs> they sit next to each other and she doesn't like to punch him. <laughs> but she will climb on him and on Bob and she has made it into a jungle gym nice. scenario. So I'm like, that's still exercise and that counts. Yes. Functional <laughs> fitness is 100%. So, so your, your video games and fitness, what else? No, I, I've I found that I actually miss working out if I don't do it regularly. I know I need to get back into it. Like I with with all the stuff going on here, I just I don't have the time to run to the gym, but I need to make the time because I I need it so bad. Because it 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 it's it's 
it's endorphins, it's serotonin boosters, it's it's it burns off cortisol. So the the benefits of working out and being fit, it just it, it's I can't I can't it is. I can't well, preach it enough. The reason that I ended up getting Bob is because I was so stressed and had so much pent up energy at I well and you know the world lately has been mm. that way and I am into it's politics. Show. Well, we I are, can't yeah. fathom. <laughs> um, but at one point, I just got, I, I was like, I'm going to have a heart attack if I don't get an outlet, if I don't punch something, <laughs> you know? And so mm. I got him, and it's just such catharsis to just get that energy and that anger out. So there's that, and I, I like to go out on on walks, you know, with my husband and my daughter to like. I live on the shores of Lake Michigan, and being able to just be there with nature and the the awesome power of that lake. You know, I do. I will say this: being out here in the Pacific Northwest, I miss lakes. I never thought I would miss being able. To, like I, I don't want to say I took it for granted. But, like, I can't just go to the lake and swim. I got to find, like, a river or, like, a swimming hole out here. And it's, like, not at all the same. And my water-loving boy is just, like, I miss my lakes. So, I mm-hmm. 100%. I feel you on the lake. 100%. Although, you got the Pacific Ocean. That's a mighty beautiful thing, too. It's cold as shit. I'm not going in that motherfucker. <laughs> but oh, just man. to be in its presence, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I was and in California before, and it, yeah. I didn't want to leave. Like I, I, the moment I got on the ground, I was like, "I'm, I'm home. I want to stay here." That's kind of how <laughs> we felt when we got here. Yeah, to it. So, the, and to be in an actual forest. Expensive. To be in an actual the forest redwoods. up here. Oh, yeah. The, the, I take I take Nick's running. I haven't taken her in a while because we've had car issues and whatnot. But like, I would get up and take Nick's running in like the woods, the woods. Like back in back in Wisconsin, we have like wool, we have woods, but you don't get to like the woods until you drive six hours. I got yeah. woods ten minutes outside of town, and they're fucking ancient and massive. And, massive. and there's like you said, there's an energy to it. And we, Nix and I went on this run a couple, like a month ago, where we actually came down a trail into what I call this flat bottom. It was just like this flattened out area and it had these towering trees and it was just clear. Like it was clear. You could see strand, like strands of trees, but the ground was clear. And right when we came down into this flat bottom, no fucking lie, there was a mountain lion. Rolled up oh. on the side of the on the berm, just laying there in the trees. Right, Nixon and I rolled in the flat bottom. I she stopped, bullied up, looked that way, and I looked over, and there's literally a fucking mountain lion just chilling. Picked its head up, looked at me and Nix, kind of rolled its shoulders a little bit, got up, and I'm like, oh fuck, here it goes. Oh, fuck, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to kill a mountain lion to protect my dog, right? <laughs> It's down. Docs is going to beat this motherfucker old school style. And it kind of moved a little bit, kind of looked us over, and then kind of had that moment of like, eh, I don't want that smoke, and rolled off into the woods, and we didn't see it the rest of the trip. But, like, growing up where we did, 
didn't have mountain lions. <laughs> didn't have mountain lions. I've seen bobcats and, and foxes and coyotes and uh, black bears when I went up to Michigan. But I'm going to admit it. I hit that flat bottom, looked over there, and my body went, oh, okay. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah, boy. This is it. This, 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 this could <laughs> be some be shit. I'd be like, well, this is how it ends. So, yeah, the, the power of nature, 100%. I 100%. I can, I can attest to that. So you nature walks and gaming and then I'm also because of this pandemic, uh, I have been homeschooling. Well, it's not just the pandemic that right. I can't throw it all on that. It was a coincidence that the pandemic happened because I've been homeschooling my daughter. She's in mm-hmm. second grade and um, she went to kindergarten and hated it. Right. <laughs> like, no! was like, what is this business? <laughs> I really. And so like we had been in talks with her week before pandemic hit in, in you know, mid-March. Mm-hmm. Ryan and I were about to start butting heads about homeschooling her. Mm-hmm. And then it got taken out of our hands. <laughs> you're like, like, I win by default. <laughs> yep. And so I was like, well, I guess you're being homeschooled. And so I've also, in all of this, been having to learn how to be a teacher, get the resources you know, figure all that out. And that's been its own little challenge. Um, and she still hates school. Right. <laughs> so like, then I became the person that she had to deal with instead of her teacher, you know? Right. And I'm like, what kind of kid hates kindergarten? It's like the best of times. Yeah. You get cookies you, and nap time to play a ton, you know? Had playtime built in, but she just didn't like the rigid structure. And I can, uh, you know, I can't even blame her. I really hated that aspect of it too. Right. So, so now it's been challenging and a fun thing to come up with ways to keep her interest. You know, like mm-hmm. we're we've been reading, you know, that video game Hello Neighbor. Yep. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Yes, I am familiar. Um, if, if anybody is not and you haven't played it, it is surreal. It's sort of a horror game. Yep. Not even sort of. It is. It's a horror yeah, game. Yeah, it's definitely it's a horror colorful game. colorful and bright. It's got a unique it's, art It's a style. clash, yeah. It's, it's very also, cartoony in a lot of ways. It's also an absolute train wreck to play in terms of controls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like the, it's just the physics engine is that is terrible. But right. when you're a kid, you overlook this stuff, you know, and you just so she's played it and loves it. And even though it's dark, and she likes she likes horror too, so she's oh, yeah. gotten she's into got you and her dad. And yeah, and Brian, no no doubt. So <laughs> one of her favorite things to do lately is listen to the Scary Stories podcast. Nice. And it's like supposedly true stories that people have sent in. And there was one the whole session about the goat man. <laughs> <laughs> like the goat man. I saw the goat man. And basically they all come down to, I was in the woods or I left my house or whatever. And the goat man was looking at me, <laughs> you know, and then he threw his voice and he sounded like my sister or my best friend or whatever. And and then nothing happens. They just run and hide. And the goat man does nothing. <laughs> like, He's lazy. He's no... lazy goat man. 
And so my daughter's like, he didn't do anything. Maybe he just wants to bring them pizza. <laughs> and so I had a crack up about that. And there was one story where the goat man is eating a deer out in the woods. And the guy finds him and shoots at him. Like I saw the goat man and he was eating a deer and I raised my rifle and I shot. And and she's like, why are they shooting the goat man? He's just eating lunch. <laughs> oh, nice. anyway, she, so she's into Hello Neighbor and have books for mm-hmm. Hello Neighbor. Oh, no. Surprisingly well written. Really? I'm reading this and I'm like appreciating it as an author for what the books needed to do. And I was like, that's pretty impressive. So hats off to, to that author. I think her name is Carly West, Carly Ann West. Mm-hmm. But um, she's enamored. And so her reading comprehension, rather than reading the dry like textbooks that you have to read, me reading to her at night and having her follow along, she's getting much bigger words quicker mm-hmm. off of this you know, Hello Neighbor horror novel. <laughs> so oh, and she can can't get enough Karens of it. Now. She's reading it on her own. Like mm-hmm. she's got an interest in it. So being able to nurture that where it is rather than force it where she's not interested is one of the gifts of homeschooling. Mm-hmm. That's what I would say. Yeah. No, that's great. I, I think it I think it's great because Back when my kids were younger, I uh I did all all that stuff too. I read to them whenever I was home at night. We would pick up a book and read it and as they got older we would read chapter books and one of the things that I like to do is I would take them to a bookstore and be like, All right, go find a bunch of books. We'll sit down and we'll we'll kinda look through them at the store and whatever one stuck is the one we bought. And then we went through and read it and I noticed that as as the interest in the book uh, was there, the kids did develop an interest in it and a, a passion for yeah. it better. And, the, and they did develop a lot of things better because school and not to be political or whatnot, but the, the school system hasn't evolved in a hundred years. No, it's and, so and one, of the, and one of the things school systems do is they don't take into account and they can't take into account the individual learning styles of everybody because there's just so many kids. It has to be standardized. It has to be done a certain way. And a lot of times that standardization in the school system and the fact that it's still working off of a hundred year old model fails a lot of students. So the fact that you are taking a town and, and kind of teaching her and focusing a lot of stuff around her interest will only benefit her educational and mental growth because she does have that built-in interest, that built-in sort of like connection to the material. So I think that's great. Yeah, it makes makes such a difference. And then we got her a ferret. Ferrets! Yes! Her ferret, ferret named Ninja. Ninja. Just to have a companion. Everybody needs and a companion. She is the absolute best ferret. Oh yeah. my goodness. I, she's so tolerant with her. I mean, she's a seven-year-old girl, right? Yeah. So we were like, this is kind of an advanced pet for her, but she's a bit mature for her mm-hmm. age too. So it's like, you know, and we've had ferrets. I had two ferrets. Um, ferrets are awesome. Years ago. 
but like I had experience with them and I was like, well, we'll get it, see how it goes. And feed her a raw diet. Nice. She is the, she is the fluffiest ferret I've ever felt. <laughs> it changed her fur. Right. And so she's like this little soft, you know, squeezable plushy almost. <laughs> well, for people who don't know, ferrets are carnivores and insectivores. They're not, they don't eat ferret food. Yeah, and they, they put wheat and all kinds of yeah. stuff in the ferret food. And she also poops a lot less. Mm-hmm. So people will be like, oh, ferrets poop so much and they're so stinky. Her smell and her poop have gone way down. I'm not going to say mm. it's not there at all. She's still got a musk, but it's not mm. overpowering. Like, it matters what you feed them. And and my daughter just carries her around with her everywhere. Right? You can potty train ferrets. Yep. So, like, she's got her little area that she goes and whatever. And they're not the kind of animal that's very easy to let just run loose. You still have to be kind of on them because they get into so much mischief. So she has a big cage that she's in when we can't actively be with her. Right. But um, she's so tolerant of Aisling. She licks her and, and is just affectionate. She'll lick me and Brian, too, and, like... To watch her little personality go from, you know, when she was a little kit to uh, now we've had her for a couple of months. She's getting to be close to a year now. Right. And how she'll, like, notice. She'll be playing with Aisling and then I'll come in the room and she'll stop what she's doing and come running up to me and, like, jump at my leg and basically call me out and be mm. like, then away and wait for me to like come play with her right so there's there's this cute little personality that's developing and, and this fun little playfulness i mean all ferrets are, have that you know to an extent but there's something special about this one i think in terms of her becoming part of the family mm-hmm. like finding her little niche and understanding how much she can away with and i can't say that my other ferrets didn't do this either because they right. did in their ways but um like she is rougher with me and brian mm-hmm. she'll bite harder and claw more than she will with aisling yeah because you know aisling doesn't understand. like that as much yeah and so you know our other ferrets that we had we had them when we owned our house and we did let them free range and um, they were more like they had each other, so their mm-hmm. their bond with us was different. Right. This is a solitary ferret, and I was a little worried about that. But yeah, that can be tough. But when we got her, she was she had bites all over her mm-hmm. from the the place, and she like wanted out of there so bad. And when we got her home, the overwhelming feeling that I got. I'm a bit of an empath myself. The yeah, overwhelming feeling that I got from this ferret was one of relief. Mm-hmm. You saved me. And I don't ever get off of her that she's lonely. Aisling's with her all the time. Right. You know? And I just, she seems, she's happy. <laughs> That's all I can say. So, and I know, like, because I had two ferrets, and then one of them ended up dying. She got cancer and died, and we didn't want to get another one. We weren't in a place where getting another ferret was possible. And so we only had the one for a while. Mm-hmm. And he did just fine. Like yeah. he had he had us, he had the dog, he had the cats. 
yeah. you know. And now Ninja has Aisling. Yeah, and it's so. got you guys. That's cool. Nice. Yeah, we've, we've got Nick's, and then on the farm we have Karma's here. It's trying Amanda's dog, and then there's the goats and the pigs and the chickens. And I don't like any of those motherfuckers. I, I do not vibe with chickens and goats and pigs. Like, I'm like... I love y'all. Chickens are so ornery. Don't ask ornery. me. Don't ask, don't ask me. Don't ask me with the chickens. chickens. For a while. And they were... Uh, I, I love them. I love their orneriness. But I'll but get I down with the dogs. Things, which is why I love you. I know. Because I'm all gray and crotchety. And ornery is all <laughs> get out. But, I mean, it's it's great that, like, you seeing, you, like, us... Growing up from where we were, from like we were back in the day, gaming and whatnot, and seeing how our past diverge, and then seeing you become a mother because, like, people will know it. You were like, I know kids are a no go area. You were like, fuck that, not happening. And then yeah, it happened. It. Yep. Yeah, and then it happened. She was and planned. Then, she was very planned. Right. <laughs> But like seeing the transformation, not only to you becoming a, a, a an amazing mother, and a, a now a published author, it's it's been it's been awesome because seeing what my friends and and people I consider family really come into their own is one of those things that that makes me want to continue to do what I do and push harder and grind harder like with streaming and podcasting and, and everybody out here has been beating me to death since your book came out about my book. Oh, literally every day now, since like Amanda and everybody out here has got the book, they're like, so when are you going to get back to writing a book? And I'm like, I don't fucking know. They're like, that's not an excuse. Nikki can do it. And she's got kids. And I'm like, you know what? Don't start with me. Okay. It's <laughs> just stop. So in a way I, I, I love it because it shows that people are invested, but Sure, seeing, that's seeing that you do this is, is yeah, exactly. Seeing you being able to pull it off and all the things that you go through, I, I'm like, yeah, maybe I should revisit it. Maybe I, on some of the downtime when I'm just like vegging, I could be, you know, plunking away at something, whether it's a sentence or a word. And I think one of the one of the key things of advice that you gave me that if there are any potential writers listening or watching right now, or when you catch it on the vod. One of the best pieces of advice that Nikki's given me is it doesn't matter how much you write as long as you write something. Yeah. There there were many a night, way too many. <laughs> like I literally ended up just writing maybe a sentence or a paragraph, yeah. you know, and it was one more than I had before. You know, cause sometimes you'll write and then you just delete it all. <laughs> yeah, I'm horrible no, at that. That's not where I'm horrible at that. And then other times you, you find your groove and you know, I'm somebody who gets maybe a little bit too meticulous on what exactly the sentence says. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the the detail of it and getting it just perfect. And then things like the blurb, you have to. Right, you got to so dial it important. in. I have to, so I have to take this mammoth story and truncate it into something that'll fit on the back of this book. <laughs> and if you see, <laughs> let me see. So this is the, um, mm. not quite final version. This is Amazon will put this not for resale, right, on the um, cover. 
but you can see all this text. Mm -hmm. Two different cameras, so I'm a little bit disoriented here. Yeah, it's um, unforced. I barely fit it, and this was cutting and cutting. Yeah. I worked on this blur for months. Years, really, because there there's like four other versions of the blurb out there that mm -hmm. I scrapped entirely. So the, the blurb so. is the tease, though. You got to get the tease right. Mm -hmm. you I'm don't wondering get, if I should read. I don't know. If, if, you know, if you don't show enough leg, you ain't going to get the interest for sure. And the blurb, like like in the intro video, we used the blurb. Habba, Habba did the voiceover of the blurb and the blurb the blurb I wait like, to hear it. <laughs> yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna send you the the i'm gonna send you the uh google drive link that you can download it yourself and you'll be like you have it and use it for whatever you want for promotional her, material chris. habit actors the shit and chris did it i was gonna add some stuff to it but when i started when i started kind of fiddling around with it in the lab i was like it doesn't it doesn't add to it like i was gonna add some ad libs in the back like there's a point where the word sinister pops up. I was going to do some uh, echo and reverb of the word sinister in the back. But as I listened to it, it just, it, it took away. So I didn't want to like, I didn't want to add to it because it just, it didn't serve it. So I think the way Habit did it and the way Chris did it was excellent. And I think the blurb especially sets up the book really well. I think, I think all that, all the cutting and, and the reworking of it, I think really, really succinctly kind of grabs interest. Yeah, and when, I, I like how it turned out. Yeah. And when I wrote my review of your book, I didn't want to write, because I could have wrote this, like some people wrote long reviews mm -hmm. and I found them really helpful, but I felt for me, the the best way I could do a review is to add to that, to the blurb, get a little bit more of the, hey, come take a bite of this. So when yeah, I wrote, you did a great job. Thanks. Uh, I, when was, I, I was like, I want to read this book. That's that's what I wanted. That's the kind of approach I wanted because I'm like, I could I could break it down and I could, I could write real in depth. But would for me if I because a lot of times guys don't like female protagonists. Sometimes a lot of guys don't. I I like I like all kinds of protagonists. So if I was gonna write up if I was gonna write anything to catch anyone's interest. How could I make it to where it's like they want to eat it? And that's where I came up with my review is like mine is more of that, like, you know, dip into it. I, I live a little bit of a mystery in there and some word choices to kind of whet their appetite to maybe they dive in. So I know what you mean by trimming out the blur because I wrote my review like six times. I have six different yeah, versions of it. Yeah, that's just the review, right? Yeah, that's just yeah. the review. That was just the review for a friend to, to like to try and help her out to get people to look at it. So like when you say you cut out shit on the blurb, hundred I hundred percent I feel because like, I got like six versions of the review. So I, <laughs> but I think you crushed it overall. I think overall you crushed it as an author. You crushed it on the publishing side. You're you're doing. A lot of the marketing stuff, your your Twitter is amazing. The little custom images of your uh, reviews that you've done uh, on Facebook are are super dope. Because when I see them, I'm like, I'm gonna go read the review now. Because you you cut out a little bit of the review, and I'm like, I'm gonna go read that review now. So I think I think in all aspects of it, you you hit it out the park. I mean, it's your first novel, so there's things you're gonna want to improve on, right? 
for the subsequent mm-hmm. novels because you said this is a, a nine book series and, and that's one of the questions I wanted yes. to ask is what's next? What's the next step before we jump into the um, ending? It's the next step. Well, the next step after I'm done with this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to take a deep breath and get back into book two. Like, I, I started that. writing it. <laughs> I started writing it. Um, earlier this year plunking mm. around and playing with it but you know my focus has been so taken up on just the publishing process mm. and getting it out there and, and everything so that i'm looking forward to like diving back in mm-hmm. and now that i have feedback and people you know actually like it and it makes sense mm-hmm. that's giving me some fuel to go on to the next book yeah and i i don't really have any critiques because you know me i'm not just gonna sit there and glow about it i like to be i like to be helpful in that way but honestly i don't i can't think of any real like critique on it because i think for what it is i think it's it's well done it's well put together and i don't amanda might actually be better at it amanda and, and bernadette might have better critique because when I read it, I just, I enjoyed it as a reader. And if I go back and read it again, I might have more feedback. But right now, I, I don't really have a critique because I think for a story that I don't normally read in a genre I don't normally read, I think it it hits beats for me. And it's, it's something that I would recommend without hesitation, not because you're my friend. Like, I'm going to recommend it anyway because you're my friend. But if I was to take our relationship, our, our dynamic aside, this is a book that I would highly recommend to anybody because anybody who's interested in horror, who's got the, the stomach to handle it. Cause it, it, it gets there. It, it, I, the caveat is it, it's dark and it, there's some, there's some foul shit that goes down in, in all yeah, the like best it ways. Starts out, it starts out more almost coming of age. Mm-hmm. Um, YA. Yeah, a little bit. Because you've got two teen protagonists who are ghost hunters, but it it becomes very much horror yep. as the story goes along. But yeah, I, I would I have would no definitely, fear. I would definitely I would definitely give it my highest recommendation for for like I said, if I was to remove our relationship and all our years together, I I can't give it a critique because I didn't I started to. I, when I started to read it, I wanted to I wanted to pick it apart and kind of give you some whatnot, but I just sort of fell into the reading of it. Like I just I couldn't. You got couldn't, sucked in. Yeah, I got sucked in because I I couldn't critique it. I was like, I need to see where this ride goes. Initially, yeah, and I think that's something that um is something that I encourage people to do just in in general with any media of any kind is to not have expectations you know let let the stories take you where they will i think you'll always have a better time than if you're expecting certain things because there are twists in this it's not gonna go where you think it's gonna go no (laughs) no 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 it definitely Um, does not at many different points Mm -hmm. it it starts out seeming oh well this is gonna be your standard ghost story Mm -hmm. right yeah. No, no, it's not. It that way. But um, yeah. Um, I I do have a question that I wanted to get to because I asked people to ask me questions. Sure. And I Let's make go. Sure that I honor that. Hundred um, percent. Before we, we got on. time. 
So Michelle, um, my cousin Michelle. Yay! Yes, who has been an absolute dynamite supporter of mine mm-hmm. uh, from the get-go with this. Um, she asks, what do you do when you write? Do you have a ritual, a lucky chair, music, mm-hmm. sounds of mating locusts on repeat? Creepy, but okay. Naturally, that's how I get into the writing. Well, I do have my chair. I just Mm -hmm. got this. It is super comfy, super comfy chair. Um, Mine's better. It's called the the Alistar. Nice. Is the name of it, if anybody wants to look it up. But I also find that highly amusing because there is a character in my series named Alistar. (laughs) So now I get to sit in the Alistar chair and write Alistar. And he comes in heavily in book two. Mm. So I find that very, very amusing. But it's super comfortable. Highly recommend. <laughs> um, yo, I will try and find a link of it. We'll shoot it out there. When we put up, when we put up the YouTube, we'll put a link to the chair and stuff in there. So people want to so, check it out. And I, and I got a new desk. You can see it a bit behind me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's sort of my gift to myself for finishing because how I write and have been writing is wherever I can find the space. I have a laptop and a little a keyboard. I have a little wireless keyboard. Nice. Um, and so it's just wherever you can scroll away the time. And in terms of rituals, I will often, um, listen to music right before I get into this, you know, have like some things that make sense for either that character or songs that just are back in the background. Sometimes I'll have music on in the background when I'm drafting a scene and just sort mm-hmm. of getting it out. And then it, whenever I have to actually really concentrate and get into the character, I need silence. It, mm. it, I ha- I can't have any disturbance of any kind or it'll suck me out of their head. Okay. And so, and, you know, I say that it's written from Amy's perspective, but every character I get in, I jump into their head so that I know how they would respond to what's just been done. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I a hundred percent. So there's times when, you know, I had to jump into Kayla's head for a while and, um, and Daniel's head or mother's head or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so there's that aspect to it. And, See what else? Sound of meaning. What do we do when you write? Yeah, I guess that answers the question. I think you answered it pretty succinctly. Uh, and I don't know if there's any other questions. I put this out on Twitter too. Yeah, no. so. None in none in chat really. The chat's been commenting on stuff, and it's all been mostly positive. There was uh, Crail said when we were talking about the writing whatever you can just write. They said that they were asked about that so yeah we handled that and um no i i think you're doing good if you have questions from twitter let's let's hit a few i'm gonna go check mm-hmm. oh, no question okay i'm bad on twitter uh that's, <laughs> because... well i have i have a question real quick before we go into the happy ending you're an author i'm a streamer and like sort of content creator who dabbles in writing what is 
what is your perspective on social media being an author where mine is like from a streaming perspective and a content creation, like I have to interact with certain groups and, and try to reach out with companies, but like, is it different as an author? Like, like how, how do you look at social media? Uh, a necessary evil. Yes. <laughs> yes. I agree. I agree. I hate because um, you put you put a lot of effort into a post, mm -hmm. and then it may or may not gain any traction at all. And there are a lot of reasons why that might be. Right. Um. I I think personally, having had several businesses now on Facebook, they definitely want you to pay them mm -hmm. to really show anything that you're going to be making money off of. Right anyone so anything that i put links into you often see me put the actual link to buy my book in the comments rather than right. in the main thing because i feel like it doesn't reach as many people and um i had this just happen with a, a friend of mine who i interact with on a fairly regular basis on facebook and he did not see my launch post on my storyteller group so i have a group for those that don't know, it's Nikki DeCaster Storyteller. And it's for anybody who's just been interested in this journey and, and following me over the years, a place for them to gather so that when I launched, they would know. And so this is somebody who has joined my group, who actively posts in my group and shares my things from this group. But it took two days for him to be able to see that post. Mm -hmm. And that's just unacceptable. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> You know what I mean? So that's a Facebook problem. It's not like if this was like a page, just like a, because I also have a publishing page for Phoenix Rose Publishing. Mm -hmm. I have a bunch of likes on that page too. Speaking of that, and, I, need to, I think I like that or I haven't liked I I know I need to. I think I did. I don't know. I got to double check. Well, and that, they, they want you to pay to boost the post to your own people who have liked it. Hmm. When you have a page for your business as opposed to a group, mm -hmm. that's the difference. And so there's a reason I went with a group. You know, for one, it, it kind of fosters that sense of community. Connection, But yeah. for two, it's like, well, this is a group, so it's more likely to actually show up in their feed mm -hmm. without me having to pay for that pleasure, right? Right. And they do like they I'll, I'll post I posted everything on Phoenix Rose Publishing and the very first post that I ever did on there hit more people. At least they said that they showed it to more people than I had that liked it. Mm -hmm. I think I had like 110 people that liked the group or something around there. And they showed it to 130 in the little thing. And I was like, oh, so they went above and beyond, maybe showed it to some friends of, of the people or whatever. That's great. Next post that I did, it, it, like 11 people saw it. And they had a big old thing saying, yeah, that's a nice post you got there. Be a shame if nobody saw it. Oh, fuck those guys. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's an extortion racket. And I, you know, I, I had an astrology business for many years and I ran into the same exact thing. So in that case, I was doing daily content for Facebook. I would do a daily forecast for the, the astrology. Yeah, I remember and reading so, those. I am sitting here making a reason for people to want to come to Facebook. 
Facebook. Like I am doing Facebook a favor. Mm -hmm. Right. And they reward me by expecting me to boost those daily posts. Not an insignificant amount of money. No, not at all. I want like $15 to boost a post to my own followers. Fuck that shit. Yeah, so it's disheartening. It gets you down because it's like you're constantly creating this content and then hardly anybody sees it. Even if they actively want to. Mm -hmm. So, But you have to do it, too, at the same time. Mm -hmm. Now, if you can get into other social media platforms, I happen to be on Facebook just because it's... It's your dominant platform, yeah. And I've tried a couple of other ones and it's just they don't resonate as much so i am actively always looking for something else (laughs) right Um, and i've been dabbling with discord lately i think i might have had gotten my issues figured out with that but mm -hmm. no it's it's just convenient it's convenient to be able to have everything you know your personal stuff your business stuff everything all in one platform yeah my the platforms i use right now mostly are twitter and tiktok i'm trying to like get that up because i noticed like like you said when i post on facebook it's dead like i have no i get like no traction but like if the uh or you'll get traction days later the same thing happened with some of your stuff a lot of your stuff even Mm -hmm. though we interact all the time i'll see it three days later yeah and i'm like well he was live three days ago thanks for letting me know yeah i did uh i did the twitter video uh for for you coming on the show and that got some likes and retweets, but I put that video up on TikTok, and it's got over like a hundred views or something. Like it, that is crazy. Yeah. Wow. So like for for me, social media I, it really depends on um, just putting it out there. And I found that the more I put it out there, the mo- even though I hate it and I think I'm bad at it, it it's paying dividends. And I think. Does and and if you reach even one person, yep, that makes it worth it. Yeah, hundred percent. And also, too, I had this fear initially with social media, and I don't know if you did either. Of, I didn't want to tweet at people. I didn't. Res- I didn't want to respond to people's tweets because who the fuck am I, right? Why Why would they care that I made a comment on something they tweeted? But like you said, you have to get to a point where you have no fucks left and just do it because. If you don't do it, you're gonna you're gonna miss out on an opportunity. Yes. Which is why I well, kind of jumped and, on TikTok. Yeah, I mean Facebook has also been absolutely great for meeting a ton of people. Mm-hmm. A lot of my biggest supporters came from Facebook. Mm-hmm. People I've met in writing groups over the years. And so that's a beautiful thing too. So it's got this light and dark side. Yeah, to it, right? everything does. Yeah, hundred percent. Um and. It's it's nice to be able to have that central place to send people. Mm-hmm. If they don't always see everything, they're going to see some of it, you know, and they can at least message you and and whatnot. So, love hate relationship. Yeah, but TikTok is something that I just joined not too long ago. I'm gonna have to follow you. And I don't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm learning it. I, I like because I have. I have a series I do on TikTok where I talk about RPGs that you should play, like shit that's not D&D, because apparently I have this reputation of I hate D&D. Like, I don't like vanilla d and I just, I don't find it 
interesting anymore. So I took that and started doing like a series of videos where I'm like, here's a cool RPG that's not D&D. You might want to check out if you're bored with D&D. And that got some traction. And then I, I folded that into like indie video games and the indie video game got no views whatsoever. I was like, wait a minute. I was getting hundreds of views on the same shit. And yeah, it I, makes you wonder if like certain companies pay them. Yeah. To promote these things and then to know. maybe So I, I don't the other. I don't I don't know TikTok either. I'm learning it. I'm trying. I'm trying. But I think that's I think that's important. One of the one of the best pieces of advice that I could give anybody before we go into that beginning is just learn. Keep learning whatever it is, streaming, content creating, writing, uh cooking, crafting, whatever it is always always learn something always keep learning watch a tutorial read an article look at a, a creator or an author that you you know i wouldn't necessarily say look up to but like admire and, and hold their work in esteem and try and learn from that experience of whatever it is because if you don't learn you don't grow i think in, in my personal experience yes I would say so. That's been one of the things, and we didn't get into this, but I've I've had a lot of health issues over mm-hmm. the years. I've been pretty gnarly. Yeah, me and, too. Um, one of the things that kept me going actually was you know this book, mm-hmm. plunking away at it, you know, giving me the hope that I would finish it, and only I can finish this book. Right. Nobody else can finish my book. Brian got a hold of you it. have the power. It would go an entirely different direction. <laughs> hmm. So I Brian mean... knows the, the overarching where this is going because I troubleshoot off of him and, right. and whatnot. He's my very first reader of anything that mm-hmm. I write. So, you know, it, you it's important remix? to have that hope point. What's that? Right. I was like, can we get a Brian remix of the book? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, he did write... Um, a little story about Amy from her mother's perspective of all things. Wow. In the Hol- Holiday Spirit Anthology. Yeah, I saw that. that he got published group. too. Yeah. Yep. So he published that, and it's just a cute little story. And it's <laughs> a little bit more based on the game right. version of these characters, but um, it's a little bit of a glimpse. Into the right. future for Amy. Nice. Oh, nice, and speaking nice. of, before we move on to mm-hmm. the happy ending, I wanted yeah. to say so I've got this um, little novelette called mm-hmm. Red String. And this is free for anybody who signs up for my newsletter. If you go to my website, which I think will probably be somewhere in the show notes or, or whatnot. But yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll put it on the YouTube and uh, we'll tw- I'm going to tweet out a bunch of stuff after the show, too. Okay. So this is a little fun story. It's about 10,000 words and um, it ties into my main book, mm-hmm. let's say. So you can test out, see if you like my writing style. Um, and a little appetizer. It's, it's called a reader magnet. So this is one of the tools in the toolkit of self-published authors. And okay. the, the, the traditional publishers do stuff like this too, but it's a, a free book that you can put out there to get people to know you, your style, if they like you. And then ideally they call you into whatever series or whatever other books you have. Mm-hmm. So 
cute little this is not a love story <laughs> so it's it's like it's more thriller this is very much more fast-paced mm-hmm. it's a shorter story right um there's some elements of horror in a little bit of sexy times in it too Spicy. so it, it, it gives you a taste of nikki decaster mm-hmm. her style <laughs> nice 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 well hey uh you're crushing it do you want to stick around for the happy ending or do you got to dip out? Well, I do need to run to the ladies room and powder my nose. Okay. So, um, I will come back. Okay. That's okay. Yeah. I thought I was going to do a happy ending too, but if we're running late, like I can, I can just not. I, it's up to you. Can you stick around? I mean, that we're at three, sure. we're at, we're about two fifty-five right now. I can stay around for a bit longer. All right, just, yeah. I, need to, I need to run to the bathroom and then I'll be. I can vamp. But you can, Actually, you what can we'll do, do what, what we'll do while you're in the bathroom, we'll run your intro video again. So people who didn't see it at the beginning of the stream can catch it. Okay. I like that idea. All right. I'll be right back. Yep. All right. Uh, well, she runs to the powder room. Well, uh, those of you that kind of jumped in late, we ran a little guest intro video. Uh, narrated by a good friend of ours, Habidactor. Uh, that is the blurb of Nikki's book. So I'm going to show that to you. And then when Nikki gets back, we'll dive into the happy ending. We'll wrap up. Thank you for sticking around. We're running long. It's a great conversation, though. I, wa- I want to make sure we do that. So here's the intro. That stupid, rotted old barn in Backwoods, Maine starts out as just another place to feed my best friend's insatiable ghost hunting habit until I'm inexplicably lost for the first time in emotions that aren't mine. An animalistic fear that never really leaves me. On some level that's smart, I should be afraid. Especially when people's moods start swinging at my whim. But you know, it's also kind of fun. If you don't count the heart attacks, fatal job promotions, and choco tacos with criminally wasted potential left in my wake. Then there's the delicious bit of trouble from down the way. He's emotionally silent, but breaks the sound barrier on my other five senses. I can't affect what I can't feel, so he's safe, right? Am I? The pressure of keeping everyone's emotions at bay is cracking my jury-rigged mental wall into a Cheshire grin. The question is, whose grin is it? Mine? Yours? Or something curiously sinister? As reality twists into a labyrinthian spiral, each step I take brings a little more tragedy and a little less me. I'll have to double back my fading footprints and find what passes for the truth before my sixth sense becomes my only sense. So welcome back. That was the intro video that we ran. It is the uh, narration of the back of Nikki's book to some awesome video editing from Chris. For those of you that are new to the show, uh, we end on what's called the happy ending. And what it is, is Chris came up with this concept of doing something positive at the end of the show to shine a light on positive news or happy stories so that when you Leave the show, you can say, wow, that was that was nice. And it also gives us a way to highlight stories that we think need a little more um a little more shine. For whatever platform we have, we wanted to to shine a light on it. And as soon as Nikki gets back, we'll dip into it. But um I want to say if you guys don't already follow Nikki on Twitter, it's uh you can reach out to her on Twitter. We'll we'll plug her stuff at the end, but reach out to her on Twitter, uh, on her Facebook. Um, we're going to post up her website and stuff like that so that you guys have all the resources to get connected with her. 
and whatnot. And hopefully you've been enjoying the show. So um, if you have any questions before Nikki gets back, feel free to put them in chat and I'll answer them to the best of my ability or whatnot. Otherwise, we can just hang out and chill and do whatever. I hope you guys are enjoying the show. For those of you that have followed the channel, uh, thank you so much. I, I hope you guys are enjoying the content. Up above me is the website where you can find Nikki's book, and in the chat you can find that as well. Um, but I gotta say, this has been this has been a really good interview. I think a really good conversation because it's not really an interview. Um, I think Nikki's crushed it. I think she crushed it with the book. Um, definitely go out and get you a copy of that. Look, I'm shilling for you. I'm shilling for you as I vamp. Thank you. That's very nice. I, I did want to say. Go ahead. Uh, didn't get into this too much, and I'm a little surprised that I didn't go in this direction. But thinking about hustle culture, so you, okay. you asked about you asked about book two and mm -hmm. when it will be out, or you know, and people have asked when it's going to be out. And like, it took me seven years to write this one. I don't think. And by the way, that's average for a novel, right. for a first novel. So just to give people context for that, um, I don't think it'll take another seven years i've learned a lot and been through a lot right. of processes i'm in a very different place now i don't have a young daughter anymore mm -hmm. you know um plus the major world building is done yeah and that's something like for this first novel it had to hold so much weight mm -hmm. it, it is the foundational pillar so the origins of all of her abilities i had to really get them right mm -hmm. for it to hold the rest of what's going to happen in a way that makes sense right so um but there's this culture in anything really just to kind of like spit out as much as you can as quickly as you can right like hustle 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 and i refuse mm -hmm. so i'm going to write this book as quickly as I can, as quickly as I can. Right. Um, It'll be ready when it's ready. Yeah. And you want the highest quality product that you can get anyway. So if you mm -hmm. rush people, you're going to get a rush product. You know. Now, there are writers that can churn stuff out quickly, but I've been watching this for a while, you know, been in the author world for a while, mm -hmm. and they burn out. Those people that are churning out books so quickly, they they wipe out or it becomes all of their life. Right. You know, all-consuming. And that's fine if that's what they want to do. There are people that do it and they're successful at it, and I, I don't have beef with that. But it's not for everyone, and everyone has their different style. So we got to get away from this hustle culture of you got to right. be working all the time. It's so toxic. And I, I burned myself out years ago. That's one of the reasons I got so sick and had all my health issues. Mm -hmm. You know, I was going to, to grad school and full time and working three jobs to try to make it in my field, mm -hmm. you know, and it just political science at one point. Political science, environmental studies. Yep. Um, and it just, it was insane. Mm -hmm. I didn't have kids. Then, so. Right. And, she says kids plural because she's talking about the husband too. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I promised myself I wouldn't do that again. 
right anything yeah. so, I'm, so i'm grounded now with this in a way but i still feel that pressure it's like mm-hmm. oh crap i gotta get it. now people have read it and it's out there and they're expecting the next pressure one. to perform for sure yeah so it's a different area than when i was just sort of in my bubble of other writers you know maybe showing them a little here and there my alpha readers who got early versions you know <laughs> right so let's let's as a collective get away from household culture pump the brakes don't expect authors or content creators to have the next big thing in a half a second well that that's with me too no. like i i made a conscious effort to only do four days a week so that I could have a couple of days with the kids, and I only do four to five hours of stream, so that I have and the just rest for of the yourself day. too. Mm-hmm. Like it's not just only about family, your friends, mm-hmm. and all of that. Sometimes you just need days where you're in your sweatpants and you're not worrying about anything. Now, as an right. author, this is now circumstances have put me in a place in my life where this is also my job. Yep. Me too. So. That's where I think uh, it'll go quicker. I got mm-hmm. my desk now. Like it's a different mentality now that it's published, and I'm not just plunking away. And I didn't know what to expect. I mean, people could have been like, "I don't know what this is," and you know, completely all ghosted me and never gotten any sort of review or whatever. Mm-hmm. People like it. It's good shit. Oh, they're encouraging me. It's good soup. <laughs> Oh, and man, it has disturbed some people. Yes, I yeah, I I will say this for those of you that are watching either live or the VOD or you're listening to the audiobook, the the story is very, very, very can I will say can be very disturbing. It is very dark in some spots. It it, it hits on a lot of themes that a lot of a lot of people could find unsettling. But it's not for the faint of heart. Yes, I've been said many times. I will say if you if you can work through your uncomfortability, your your unease with it, you will find a, a very rewarding uh, story there with rich characters, immense world building, unique perspectives on emotion. So even though it, it is super dark and it is super un unnerving. It's also very rewarding, and I think that's well, another that's, caveat to our uh, another feather in your cap. It's another reason I chose horror as the genre. Mm-hmm. You go into horror knowing you're going to be disturbed. Yeah. Right? All right. It's, it's the contract that you make. I don't want to hold you hostage for too much longer. I know your husband wants you, and your daughter probably needs a, some mommy cuddles in your fair. It's like, bitch, when am I getting pets? So let's dive into the happy ending. Do you have a happy ending article that you want to talk about? Or do you just want to riff off of what I, I talk about? I do. I've, okay. Let me see if I can pull it up here. Sure. Well, it I can't find it right now. Okay. But it's basically, I don't need to read it anyway, but it's about how China um, is setting aside a, like they're, Building a forest the yes. size of Belgium. Yes, I saw story. that article. Yes, I did. And uh, I was wondering, I was like, is he going to pick this one too? <laughs> no, it, it was in my list as I was going through it. But yeah, I, I chose to go another way. I'm actually going to pull so, the article up for you. Okay. And put it in the uh, chat. 
Yeah, so it's it's over the next five years they're gonna be building forests up the size of Belgium, one each year. So five Belgium sized forests. National parks, and yeah. It's it's a good thing. Like I don't know all the ins and outs. It's annoying politics like I do and then the fuckery that goes on. Oh, I'm sure there's more to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but this is the happy ending, so we'll just stick to um to focusing on the good that people are taking climate change seriously you know mm-hmm. my degree is in environmental studies oh yeah and i have studied this issue ad nauseum um and the lack of inaction is more than concerning yeah it's dire it, it really is uh the article states that it's 14,000 square miles or 35,000 square kilometers of new forest that will go up every year particularly in drought-prone regions of the north and west of China. This feat over the next five years will increase forest coverage by uh, uh, coverage in the country by less than 2%, but in a culture like China, which for decades has existed of just wrecking shit, it's a huge... Yeah. It's in, a it, huge it, step yeah. in the right direction. Yeah, it's a massive thing. And by putting forests up the size of Belgium... Definitely going to reduce their carbon emission because, for those of you that know, trees take in carbon dioxide and give up oxygen. So the more forests and green you have, the less shit's going to be in the air you breathe. And if we learned anything from the Olympics, China has a really bad air quality. Yeah. It's definitely a positive step in the right direction. Yeah. And then also also, be growing a lot more hemp. Yeah. Out. Yes, it does. Very useful. I've been but, saying that since the nineties. I'm like, yes, you have. Hemp. You have been with it. I was like, hemp is the way. Hemp is the way. But uh, it all, the article also states that the the planted forest will increase the habitat ranges of Siberian tigers and uh, the Gobi bear and several of the most endangered species that China has. This forest project will definitely give them some habitat to work from. So, yeah. Great article, amazing. Um, I'm I picked one too, but I kind of want to do Chris's more because he's not here. Because I I like his, and I think it ties in with the animal theme more. So, um, this one talks about a family of crows that have left gifts for somebody who's taking care of them. So the way the, the way the article breaks down is after years of helping a crow family, a man was left mind blowing gifts over uh, in return. So this dude, Stuart Deliquist has been feeding and looking after this family of crows. At one point, uh, two of the, the chicks fell out of the nest and he rescued them and returned them. And over the years he's fed and looked after these crows. Well, recently, after six years, he received uh, gifts. He got two, um, looks like pine branches that were wrapped in uh, pop can tabs. And they were given to him from the birds. It says... Uh, they made them. Yeah, they made them and put them where he would find them. He says... Um, He says, one day I noticed this straight away because I'm kind of sensitive about trash going where it belongs, but the pull tab being threaded onto a sprig of fur 
wasn't normal, so I hung on to it. The next day, he was offered a second soda tab decorated branch as a courtesy of the crows, and he was stunned. So, Chris and I have talked about animal intelligence on the show quite a bit. Like you said, you watch. This is just another uh, reaffirming that, like, our animal brethren are not just the dumb animals that we can hunt for sport or slaughter or whatever. So, and the fact that a, a family of crows that have been taken care of for six years gave back to the help the human that helped them is it, it puts a it puts a, a it warms the cockles of my grinchy heart let's say that because <laughs> crows are amazing animals and the fact that they took time out of their crow lives to like give this man a gift and decorate them it just shows that animals aren't what we think they are or what we were oh, yeah. taught to think they are and we should be paying more attention to our environment and our animal brethren because they go and do shit like this Right. Or there was the story a couple months ago of the humpback whale who saved the scuba diver from uh, great white sharks. Like, I don't know if you saw that story, but like a humpback just like rolled up on the scuba diver and kept like playing with her and moving her around. And and she didn't know why. And she was freaking out. And then like when she got up out of the water, she saw the great whites who were like, we're getting a free meal. And the humpback was like. No, baby girl, I got you. And I think it was a female humpback, too, if I remember right. So I was like, girls stick together. So having crows, yeah, like girl power is a thing. (laughs) But I I love how that story highlights animal logic and animal intelligence. Because for so long, you know, you and I are a little older. We grew up where, like, animals were just, you know, they were animals. They were they were hunted for game. They were hunted for sport. We really didn't think much of their personalities. And now stories like this show that animals are not just animals. They they have an intellect. They have a they have a sense of, of, of the world around them, not just, hey, I'm a crow. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Sure. So, yeah. I think it's I, I have a – we didn't go into this, but there's two great white Pyrenees dogs in mm-hmm. the book. Oh yeah, they are. Yeah. <laughs> if your dog lover, a little Great something Pyrenees. for you. Great Pyrenees, big floof dogs. The big fluffy dogs. The big fluffy dogs. They and, are. Yes, they get their They're stuff and their fur everywhere. They're big sweeties too. So. They 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 serve a couple of like minor functions mm-hmm. to move the story along a little bit. Um, but I I had to learn about what kind of dogs you might have since. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Like they they shed a bit too much for my liking, <laughs> right? I think like you know, there's cat people and dog people. I'm a ferret person. Yep, I'm a ferret and dog person. I'm not. I'm not a chicken guy. I'm not a goat guy. I'm not a. I'm not a. I'm not a pig guy. I'm a chicken. I'm definitely not a cat guy. But They're hey, so great. I thank you for sticking around. You've been an amazing guest. So this is the point in time where you tell everybody where they can find you, where they can get at you, where they can get the book. Baby, shill like a motherfucker. Advertise like shameless horrors. Let's go. All right. All right. Well, I've got these two shiny books. Look at how cute they look together. They are. They're shiny as shit. So I will say that the red string is free as an ebook when you sign up for my newsletter at NikkiDeCaster.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and it ties into uh, the spiral. But um, they can be read in either order. So if you've already read 
spiral. Right. You can read this and, and vice versa. Um, Oop, wrong, wrong link. I do have it. I do have it available in paperback too, obviously. Did I go freeze out on you? No, no. I there was a glitch on my end. You're fine. Um, That's I also right have link. a storyteller group on Facebook, mm-hmm. and if you go to my website, that's linked there too, and I'm fairly active there. So if you want to come get in on any discussion, we can start a spoiler thread. I I have another subgroup for people who are like my super supporters. Mm-hmm. And there's been some talk in there and some yeah. catharsis, some what the hell's wrong with you, Nikki? Yep, there has been for sure. <laughs> um, so, and I ha- I do have a Twitter handle. I'm on there occasionally. It's not. She'll be on there more. A lot, but we'll uh, get her there. I'm we'll get her there. Also on the Discord. Yes, she's on the Rookery. Yep, she's on Discord. Again. She's on our Discord, so we're going to get that up there. Um, you actually bringing you on inspired me to open up the Discord a little more. So I want to bring more creative types that aren't streamers on. So I'm probably going to tweet out the Discord. But yeah, Discord, you got to get on Twitter more, girl. Uh, Twitter is such a hole. I know, but it's useful. It's even worse than Facebook because you're limited on what you can say. Yep. I know. So, and I... And I don't, I mean, look at, look at the size of my book. Do I like to be limited? (laughs) Not at all. Not at all. But you imagine, okay. So you're running a game and your player comes to you and they're like, here's my backstory. (laughs) Nope. Mm -mm. I'd have been like, pare it down to one page for me. Here's the blurb. (laughs) Right. But girl, I'm so proud of you. You've crushed it. The book is, is phenomenal. Um, you're just an awesome person and I, I loved having you on. I'm sorry that Chris had some personal stuff and he couldn't be here, but we're definitely going to get Maybe you back. Maybe we can do another episode at some point. That's a spoiler. Yeah. Episode. Spoiler cast. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. Also, Chris and I are talking about doing an end of the year show where we just, we do like a 12 hour, like drunk tank live stream where people that have guested on the show can float in and out and just bullshit and hang out. So if you want to do oh, that, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Hook me up it won't be like a formal thing. It won't be like a formal thing. We'll sure. just have, we'll have the chat open and we'll just be bullshitting, hanging out, playing games and talking. So definitely you crushed it. You're amazing. The book is awesome. You're doing amazing things too. I want to say, just to ah, just, kick just, it back at you. You know, I'm, you've I'm been through doing. a lot the last couple of months and to just, get the yeah. show back up and running. Yeah. I had no. a lot of help with that. I had a lot of help with that. And Chris is amazing and doing a lot of the back end stuff. And Amanda and Troy and Bernadette getting the workshop up and running because we had some. It's it was touch and go for a while, and I was I was having some real problems. And a, a lot of people helped get that back together. And then everybody in the community, when the laptop died, building a new computer. So I like people believe in you, and you should believe in yourself too, right? I do. Maybe. <laughs> But I am Dax Ryan. You can follow me on Twitter. You can reach out to me on TikTok and Instagram and all that stuff. I'm always here on Twitch four nights a week. I do do guest spots with other streamers when I'm not doing my stuff. So you might hear me on like a voiceover stream with Dread Pirate Roberts, who is we've got projects coming up with him. I am a GM. I do have RPG shows coming up, but they won't be hosted on my Twitch. They'll be hosted on Ready Play Go. There's like a Tales from the Loop game coming up. We're doing a Star Wars relaunch, so there's a lot of stuff in the works, a lot coming from me. But 
Get the damn book. Get Reynolds. I know I said Reynolds. I, did I say Roberts? My bad. <laughs> um, but, hey, you killed it. I want to thank everybody who was here on the show. Thank you for coming by, participating in the chat, doing your thing. Um, yes, thank I'll, you, everybody. I will see you guys tomorrow for my stream. And then, like I said, holler at Nikki on Twitter. And, you know, she's always willing to answer questions. So, Well, yeah, and if you're interested in writing and want another... Uh, oh, did we? I did. No, no, no. You're good. I there was a, a the the timer went off for the switch, and I had to fix oh, it. Oh, okay. I was just gonna say, you know, if you're interested in writing, I'm I'm always up for storytelling, mm-hmm. talking storytelling. I actually have a side business that I didn't get to, but I'm doing mm-hmm. developmental editing professionally. Nice. I have a website and stuff. I just with everything launching in the book, I haven't ever put it up yet. <laughs> But I have been getting work like behind the scenes for that. I'm, I like Get her to do a one shot. Bring stories together, right? I don't know. I don't so, know if you want that, Dred. She, she's, she's a killer GM. Like she's. <laughs> no, I don't chast- kill characters. No, but you, you're, not- you're, you're really good. It, it, it would have to be more than a one shot because you're super talented I as a GM. Do one shot. Can you? I totally can do one shot. Absolutely. Right, well, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it behind the scenes. Now that you got a, a setup that works. So, all right, you got to go. You got a kid, you got a husband. They've, they've been generous with the time and not bugging you. All right. I'll talk to you later, kid. Say bye. Bye. Nikki. All right. Bye.